tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is in charge today. Coming up on this morning's show, we'll be listening to Johnny Luby's ramblings in just uh, a little while. We'll also chat about um, the song we played for you yesterday. It's uh, Johnny Rotten's attempt uh, to represent Ireland at uh, Eurovision. Bit of a backlash against that yesterday, in fact. We'll have some more paranormal experiences for you following my chat with uh, Joe Noble yesterday. Uh, we'll be hearing about that uh, filming of the Second World War biopic that's happening in care at the moment. Uh, why reawakening a sense of adventure in children is important. And we'll be chatting to Dr. Mary O'Kane on that. And of course, our Friday panel will unpack the major topics of the week. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tip today at tipfm.com. A look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today to the Irish Daily Mail for First of all, and their lead story is uh, around Tonishta. Behold, Martin wanting to explore alternatives rather than selling land to a British investment fund in order to help meet Ireland's climate change. Now, we spoke about this on the programme yesterday when we were speaking to Katrina from the Irish Farmers Journal. And it's the story around uh, thousands of acres of rural Ireland uh, being sold to Gresham House Fund, that's the British fund, as part of an uh, forestation deal with the semi-state agency Quilta, uh, to the Irish Times and uh, right across the newspapers today. Um, talk about the resignation of Damien English and um, the government has rejected suggestions according to the Irish Times that fresh assurances should be sought from ministers that all of their property interests and declarations are in order and it comes after the Fine Gael. Uh, TD Damien English became the second junior minister to resign in less than six months over issues related to property uh, interests. Also on the Irish Times today, almost two-thirds of hotels contacted about renewing contracts to host refugees have yet to sign new deals where that is concerned. To the Irish Examiner and their lead story um, around uh, the European Commission planning to stockpile drugs with over 200 medicines unavailable to Irish patients amid warnings from the HSE the flu numbers will continue to rise. And again, that story of Damien English uh, in The Examiner uh, today. And it is making headlines in the Irish Indo as well. And they're telling us former Minister of State Damien English is expected to ex- escape any further sanctions despite admitting to lying on a planning permission application for his family home. So I wonder what do you think about that? We'll be discussing it with our panel a little bit later on as well. Now the papers were put to bed too early to cover the story of the death of Lisa Marie Presley. Very sad news indeed. She was only uh, 54 and died apparently of a heart attack. The uh, only daughter of Elvis and uh, Priscilla. So that's uh, very sad news this morning indeed. If you want to react to any of that, 083 311 It's time for Johnny Luby. Good morning, Johnny. Fine, well, how's it going, lad? It's going very well indeed, Johnny. I had a lovely little break from you. 
yeah. You're in Costa de Lanacarte. Costa, I was in Prague, would you believe, for a few days as well, just to sort of get around a little bit, you know? So? I got tip FM at some station. <laughs> what what <laughs> do you mean? <laughs> Now this is coming from a fellow who's in Portugal about six or seven times a year. <laughs> At least when I was in Portugal, I was on Tip FM. You were in Prague and you weren't on anything. <laughs> I didn't say anything to anybody out there. It was great. Did anybody out there hear of us? Well, wherever I go, even in Prague, they're talking about Johnny Louie. <laughs> You know, so you're big uh, even in the Czech Republic. You can't oh beat it. Oh, my God, friend. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, friend, the more I listen to uh, the radio stations and uh, the, you read the papers and the whole lot, the world is in turmoil when it you is, look at the whole it? setup. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, in America, they give us, uh, we'll say, the Kennedys, the uh, Bill Clinton, they give us uh, Joe Biden, and uh, they give us Donald Trump and all of those, and every one of them. Look, there was a question marks about them all. Mm. Yeah. And then you go to England with the royalty. There's nothing but turmoil there. And then you come across to Ireland and you look at CJH one time telling us to tighten our belts yeah. and we're living way beyond our means. He made a, 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 the, the headlines on the news. Yeah. Uh, then you had Bertie. He wanted to build the Bertie Bowl and they had to go off and hold the collection for him and he had no checkbook. Mother of God, when you go through the whole thing, then you had the, all the the gates, there the cow gates, the golf gates, every kind of a gate that was possible. The Zephon gate, mother of God, above tonight. Now you have Juno ministers retiring, and uh, you had uh, Taoiseach, and he was holding down two departments there uh, last year, the Department of Agriculture, whilst uh, the other guys were uh, uh, question marks about them all. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is in turmoil. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Please, when yeah, when I, you describe it like that, uh, Johnny, it certainly is. Well, friend, thanks be to God, I'm sick. But I'll tell you one thing, I have a good memory. And then you pick up the paper last Sunday, 66,000 for temporary office at Climate Summit in Egypt. My God. Mother of God, Ryan insisted the trip was valuable for the country. And uh, Matty McGrath said the scale of the delegation was big enough to invade a small country, he said. <laughs> the Tipperary TD told the Irish Mail on Sunday, when you add up all the air miles and, and the fuel used by Mr. Ryan and his NGO hangers-on and the fine dining in five-star hotels, you would wonder what all the commotion about was of burning a sad turf. Yeah, it all seems very hypocritical and ironic when you look at it like that. I mean, like, uh, look, it says here, Environment Minister Eamon Ryan and 10 of his department officials, the flight was 12,500, the accommodation was 20, over 26,000, the office rental space was 66,000, diplomatic bags, imagine that from the airport, uh, 227 euro, total spent by Minister Ryan delegation, 105,000. <sighs> And then you had the Taoiseach, Michal Merton, and he's, then you had Simon Coveney and the Overseas Aid Minister for, of State, Colin Brophy. They, their, their flights alone cost 12000 Mother of God, above tonight. And I was in hospital during the week, and I to meet a, a, one of the top press uh, for an old bit of a, a, a check-up. I, if I can at all, I always try and go straight to the top. Mm. But Mother of God, friend, I had a cap on me going in and a mask. And to walk down through the corridors and to see the misfortunate people on trolleys. And there we are, lashing out mon money. This country is awash with money. They have so much of it, they don't know what to do with it and they can't do the right thing. 
That's incredible. Did you see as well they're paying the toll companies because traffic was down? Uh, even though it's a private company, uh, they're, they're, they're paying them for their loss on that. Uh, uh, like Friends, I could not believe it. Yeah. That that's going on in Ireland, and we're talking about having demonstrations and a whole lot. I honestly believe that the, the, there's a question mark about the whole carry on. Mm-hmm. To think that we could pay toll companies money because mm-hmm. they didn't get what they were supposed to get with the travelling due to COVID when we, were, when we were restricted. Yes, and seemingly in the contract, we're not even obliged to do so, by all accounts. Oh, you know, friend, I'll tell you something. Well, it's taxpayers' money, you see, so it doesn't matter. I should look, you know. I tell you, I, I was going to a funeral last night in Tullus, and I, have, I discovered that I forgot my uh, fixident. <laughs> Went into Liam Sullivan's shop in Gordon and got the old fixident inside. I, Anthony said to me, do you want to receive? I said, of course I do. I'm claiming back to vet on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, Fran, I'll tell you something for nothing. Anyway, look, listen, as I mentioned, if you only told us sympathies to the Stakelam family there on the death of Newell, and absolute lady, she was wife of Jerry Stakelam. He had the office supplies for yes, years. And a member of that wonderful family there out there, Race Course Road in Tullus, that give huge employment and have everything there from a needle to an anchor, met them all and that. And fair play to one of them now. I think it was Connor or one of the lads call, uh, called me over to introduce me to more of the Stakelams. And fair play to me, introduced me as uh, his most most uh, well-off cousin. <laughs> I said, I said to him, when I was producing cash, you wouldn't give me the bloody vet off. I said, you're running a street show down there. But I ended up then, friend, in your neck of the woods in Corkham's in Two Mile Boroughs. Oh, were you indeed? Very good. Yeah. And uh, who was with me at all? Oh, yeah. And I said that uh, we'd go into Corkham's just to say hello to them. And there, what was on the Joe Duffy programme during the week, seemingly was this during the Flan Chalice. That's right, yeah. Uh, and that should it be taken out of Dublin and mm. I met Michael Ryan he bought the island there that's where the Delina Flynn mm. chalice was uh, uh, found the first day by Michael Webb and Clonmel and his son and uh, that and then they were talking about the air there chalice I'll tell you inside in, inside in the pubs you have the most interesting and knowledgeable uh, of conversations mm. uh, I've seen that above in Lacey's as well I mean these people from the likes of Borlahan and that they're all well educated and well versed they can talk about everything and anything but to go back to the Delhi and the Flanchellus should it be brought to the Hoss and Jockey on exhibition uh, that was the question that was asked I said of course it should be mm. it should be brought into Cashel into Bailey's Dermot Delaney was on he has a replica of it, and That's they right. can look after it for the week. Look at it, look what it would mean to the tourist industry in Cashel. To be fantastic, but what about the security for it, Johnny? Because it's but, priceless, you know. But your friend didn't Charlie Hyde take it out to Malahide to meet the European Conference thing <laughs> and took it out behind your man's back? <laughs> don't say that. So don't be talking to me about security. <laughs> I'd look after that. If somebody gave me a few quid, I'd look after it, friend. Would you? Yeah. Uh, indeed, yeah. I would. But, uh, like, the whole. Well, I'll tell you. And the more I think about it, of course, I'm, I must say one thing. We got great sandwiches last night in uh, Carcans. Oh, and you I were fed as well, were you? Yeah, and I discovered then that Frank Corey was from Littleton. That, my father's from Littleton, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the Corries of Littleton. Yeah, that's right. By, by yeah. God, you see, you see all the things we do discuss in your absence. <laughs> <laughs> that's for, very worrying, yeah, indeed. We but, were asked uh, to, to remember this morning the sad passing of former Sean Tracy Stalworth, uh, Pat Carey as well from Kilcombe. That's right, Jeff. And the yeah. thing about it is I just had it written down. Now, this yeah. years ago when Golden and Kilfiegel were playing the Tracys there in two or three West finals or semi-finals or whatever the case may be, the red-haired Pat Carey stood proud on the half-back line and manned the place the same as uh, 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 
security. Mm. Uh, he was a top class guy, and uh, I must go, go. I was just looking at the map of Ireland, friend, there a few minutes ago yeah. uh, to see how do I go to Kilcommon. There you are. Uh, tis okay for you, tis I pass through an account and go up that way. Yeah, you're going to uh, go up by the milestone there, are you? Up into Dollar. Is that it? That's that right. Well, uh, I think I passed Mary. The amazing thing about it is I have my own landmarks, all the pubs. I think I passed Mary Ryan Rose and then I could head for the Congo. <laughs> Bear and turn right there someplace and belt on to Kilcommon. I think the North Tipperary County Council have it well signposted. Oh, of anyway, course, you don't go near as far as Dollar. What am I saying? No, 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 no. Friend, that's yeah. what I was thinking, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, uh, and that, of course, I knew Pat's brother John well. I met him uh, a couple of months ago in uh, Tip Co op outside in Gold's Cross. Yes. What an absolute gentleman. He was the bane of all lives in gold. And you was know, he? And, yeah. oh, he was a wonderful hurler. I think he played with Mike Hart. Well, Sidney, Pat won a West Senior Hurling Championship with Sean Traces in the, in the 80s, I'm told. Oh, yeah, Pat, uh, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he won three or four of them because yeah. they were a top-class team. What they brought to a West final was a huge crowd. Yeah. Uh, and that, and look, uh, I often said it, friend, you might hit a Kickham's player uh, now tap for Holly. You might hear, hear a casual player a tap for Holly. There was a chance that you might get it back. You were guaranteed to get it back on the double <laughs> from Sean Tracy's player <laughs> because they let you know uh, exactly where you stood. Indeed, I have marks to this day to prove it. But there were wonderful guys, oh, like the Quigleys and uh, Careys and the Rhines and uh, an S Lord of them there. Wonderful guys. Did you me. ever and dance the Kilcommon set? I did on the Holland field <laughs> <laughs> when, when they let me fly on the ball whether it was there or not but mentioning like, sets and the whole lot uh, my hearing isn't the only thing I find that my eyesight is great I'm, wearing, I'm 68 I'm wearing glasses since I was uh, I suppose since I was born mm. Uh, and that, <laughs> since I was born, but uh, my hearing now, I find that uh, now and again it, uh, it doesn't be great. But last every Thursday night, I think there's some kind of a dancing set mm. in the cartons in the back, back barn, oh, back, right. back thing. Yeah, and it is wonderful to see it. You know, and last night they said that would I join them in the the Cashel's set, and I thought they said the Cashel's six. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, friend, I lined up. Uh, mother of God, above tonight, I'll tell you one thing. I I, I still have fairly fancy steps. I hope there's a video of that. Is there? <laughs> I, I don't know. Friend, I told them. I said I'll do all these things, as but I said nobody takes a picture of me because I can say it proudly. Now my missus has gone off into bed, and uh, she hasn't a clue. Uh, will say as such from where I was. You know that kind of way. Until oh, she meets yeah. Paddy the Butcher or John the, Johnny the Wire and Cashel or some of them and they'll say, oh, Jesus, and they'll all add to it then. <laughs> but I suppose, friend, to start off the holding. Look, if, uh, last uh, Sunday for Tipperary, it was uh, a win as a win. Yes. And uh, right, we're all realists at this stage. This was against life. Clare, was it? Yeah, against yep. Clare. There was a huge crowd from Tipperary, over 3,500 at a, an ordinary uh, league match. Uh, it was only a Munster League game, which doesn't go any place, but it, uh, it gets the players up and ready, and they're all in deep training and hard training at the moment. So uh, Clare probably had the same as ourselves, maybe, but they were probably missing a few of the real star players, mm. Kelly and all of those. But Tipperary were missing players as well, and you have to give your panel of players talks of games. And Liam Kerr is 
is going that way. Look, it was grand to win. Last year we didn't beat Kerry and it was a kind of a downer. But look, you start someplace and even the Tipperary start there with Michael Dundon, that wonderful writer saying that uh, there's maybe, he said, uh, green shoots on the way. And it would be wonderful uh, to see it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You, you, you're a big fan of the Hearty Cup as well. Oh, well, um, yeah, yeah, just well done to the tip footballers as well. Mm. I suppose, fan of all the games uh, that I ever played for, it was holding football, soccer, rugby, handball, darts, cabs, you name it, drafts, done everything. Uh, and that, But the one game I never played was cricket. But right. to play in a hearty cup campaign, it's uh, the, the real joy of a youngster's life growing up, to make yeah. that hearty cup team, to represent your school, your parish and your families and the whole lot. It's wonderful. And for the likes of uh, last weekend, we had three Tipperary teams in a, a quarterfinal, which was wonderful. Temple Moore uh, went down with all guns a-blazing, but for only beaten three or four points after leading for 50-odd minutes. And fair play to them, put up a great battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had a brilliant victory for Tullus CBS, I suppose, with many from Mike Herkey and Holy Cross Minos and Tullus Southfield themselves and maybe Drummond Inch and Lockmore here and there. And it's wonderful for the Tullus CBS, they're always there. But Cashel Community School opened 30 years ago. And for them lads and uh, girls that are going to the community school in Cashel, to see their boyhood heroes and they uh, uh, now in a hearty cup semi-final I think it's on sometime in February uh, for the likes of the parish of Borla and Duella uh, to have three or four on the team, Knockavilla, Kickham's another two or three, uh, Rose Green Feddert to have a, a, a couple of players from Feddert, it's wonderful for Feddert and for ourselves in Golden Kilfiegel to have at least four players on the, the, on the team and maybe yeah. another four or five on the panel, hey it augurs well for the future and I have no doubt that Cashel will be on a high with the flags and buntons and everything else which we had uh, when we were beaten in, on the way to the final in, in 73 uh, Cashel well, yeah, are wonderful supporters and all I'd say to the, all this because the weather during the week was unbelievable but fair play to Bench uh, GA club down there their pitch is based on a sand style sand uh, uh, pitch hmm. and uh, they held a county minor football final on the uh, Saturday, I think it was, between uh, the Silver Mines and Carrick Swans, and heartiest congratulations to the Swans. Uh, they themselves were playing in Golden against commercials in a minor county final, and I believe that there was savage excitement still going on in Galty Rovers for uh, beating the kingpins of uh, football Clamel commercials in a tremendous game. But to, for Bench to play on the Saturday, to host a game on Saturday and turn around on Wednesday with all the weather that was thrown at us mm. and uh, to be able to accommodate a huge crowd uh, for the for the meeting of Tullus CBS and uh, uh, I, I didn't, can't think of the name at the moment that they were playing mm. but uh, look it was brilliant for them and now you're in the semi-final you have uh, Cashel taking Cashel Community School taking on the might of uh, the big uh, skull reach of Limerick and you have uh, Tullus then in the other semi-final and I can guarantee you this friend if per chance please God that it comes to, to the truth, Cashel CBS against Tullus, uh, Cashel Community School against Tullus CBS in a hearty cup final. There's only one venue and that is Semple Stadium, Stadium because yeah, there'll be a monster crowd there. And, uh, what a uh, game but, that would be. Oh, yeah. uh, Brent, what a game is right. Mm. But, uh, Frank, uh, and what else have we so, done? Soccer, what, what about St. Michael's? Did I see they were, they were victorious again, weren't they? Yeah, St. Michael's mm. had a marvellous victory uh, in the, what would one call it, the 
the king size cup of Munster uh, junior soccer mm. where they beat Peak from Waterford in a, a, a in a wonderful game of soccer they beat him on a penalty shootout uh, in Clan Mill so Tommy Fennan and all his charges it was magnificent to uh, come away with a trophy in January uh, and that and the league still going on and the Munster Junior Cup and the FAI Junior Cup and they're a wonderful club in there to keep going they were shot one or two of their big players uh, on Sunday last but uh, they were delighted to come away with the win I saw the trophy in Lowry's on Sunday evening there they celebrated in style and we had Papa John's uh, chicken goujons and all of that (laughs) (laughs) very good and in in rugby uh, Ben Healy uh, heading off to Scotland oh yeah big loss for Nina yeah, I think it's an absolute disaster altogether from Munster's point of view. But yeah. for himself, he is dead right. I mean, he's entitled to seemingly to play for Scotland. And I have no doubt. He's a wonderful player. I yeah. saw him playing on the hill years ago and that. And I suppose it's just in hard look. Joy Carberry is probably number one. But in my book, Ben Healy is number one. Jack Crowley is probably number two with them with them in the pecking order. And now uh, Ben Healy was only number three. And he couldn't see any. If you, can, if you can't see any light. Of course. Uh, at the of end course. of the tunnel, you have to move trouble. on. Yeah. you have to move on and yeah. he's dead right and I would certainly uh, like on behalf of all the people in Tipperary the sports people the whole lot to wish him nothing but the very best yeah. of luck uh, and that it, it would be wonderful to see him play and then of course uh, you have the Munster set up uh, there at the weekend I didn't play Northampton in Toman Park there'll be a huge crowd at that as well and uh, you have Leinster out as well so the Heineken Cup is into full swing uh, and that and Cashel uh, Rugby Club to draw with Blackrock years ago Blackrock were the top yeah. club in yeah. Ireland uh, they came down a small bit to pecking order but they think that Cashley could draw with them uh, inside in Sparefield in Cashley and maybe should have won it uh, then you had Nina with a marvellous victory over Navin they're gone into fifth place in the league I think Cashley could be second and uh, it would be wonderful to see the likes of Cashley going up into 1B now and, and then of course our own club Kilfiekel outside on the hill they played uh, Bandon in a big game on Sunday last the knocks were huge the wind was howling across from the Gelty Mountains the rains came teeming down and mother of God above tonight a huge crowd turned up to see Kilfiekel 25-24 but I have to say it friend when St. Patrick came to Kilfiekel in 432 <laughs> he wasn't a fool so he knew well that was a good old place <laughs> he, he knew what he was at listen but, do you know the way I know everything about you one of our listeners on to say where did Johnny go after the third race in Limerick he should have stayed around the Ross Gray table had three more winners oh mother of God above tonight friend yeah there's always somebody will hit you a quarter pounder isn't <laughs> and I'm after getting that yeah I met who did I meet last night at the funeral Joe Hannon welcomed him back to Tipperary Joe would be the dad of Declan Hannon and uh Limerick captain for the last three years and Joe of course is married to a niece of Jerry Stakeland's ah. so uh, that's how we met him there but of course friend I did hit him the quarter pound as well by welcoming him back to the home of Hurling I said lads <laughs> we will be back like Delby said this time next year but uh, on the rugby friend just to finish on the rugby my, for my sins uh, I went to Tullus on Sunday morning last to see a tremendous game of rugby mm. uh, between Kilfiekel and Tullus in under 16s yeah. I'll tell you friend it was uh, uh, an I my book a tremendous just game uh, finished 12 all either one of them could have won but they were the lights had come away with a draw and Tullus have a magnificent set up there now outside of the main pitch they also own three other pitches 
which is uh, 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 tremendous for them, you know. Uh, Great facilities. Get up off the backside, buy it, and somebody will pay for it, isn't that easy? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Uh, Before I let you go, can I ask you about paranormal activity? Because we got a huge response to this yesterday. We were speaking to Joe Noble about it. Um, Have you ever seen ghosts or anything like that, Johnny? I had a few drinks there one day, and I saw. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I saw. It, I definitely saw. It, saw ghosts. I saw everything and anything. Yeah, I don't know. Do I believe them? It's amazing thing. I don't believe them. But would I go into a graveyard on my own at twelve o'clock at night? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, mentioning graveyards. Imagine I was at a funeral inside in Cashel and I was talking to three or four people and James David came over and he said, excuse me, lads. He says, I like to salute lads that eventually be calling to me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> put out hand. Well, he wasn't I, measuring you or anything, was he? <laughs> no, no, but he's fed Tom. Seemingly used to always put I love Tom. What, what a he, gentleman. Yeah. yeah, he was, I didn't know it. He used to put her own uh, measurement tape. <laughs> <laughs> with him and, and, and he'd put it to the sole of your feet and up to the top of your head and around your belly then and he said and he, all he'd say is I have the box for you Johnny I mean what a man he was one of the old oh I was great. so fond of him yeah, and, really. and who was an absolute lady as well was uh, Mrs. Devitt the Lord yeah, of Melton a beautiful Betty. woman yeah, yeah. Oh, John absolute, Street in uh, Cashel of course and, yeah mm. and, uh, but your friend you know Cashel like the back of your uh, yeah, hand do. and I suppose out of retirement Davy Russell imagine he retired in yeah he's, he's back He's back. He's back again. Well, I actually uh, foretold that uh, again above in Lacey's playing cards. They said, who replaced Jack Kennedy? I said, David Russell will come back, lads. I have no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, and he it. has the weight still down and everything. He's all ready oh, yeah. to go. Well, of course, yeah, he's only gone uh, He's only gone maybe uh, a month or so. Yeah. You know, but uh, I met Mrs. Maloney last night from Tullus Racecourse. Their races are coming up shortly. Uh, Fran, you'll be surprised. I met every... And, of course, Fran, I met a, somebody there from the Greyhound scene. They said there's a big night tonight in Tullus, or in Clanmedstown starting with the uh, uh, the unraced stake, which is one of the biggest in in uh, around, and uh, that they'll be getting ready for their festival then in the first week in February. And of course, friend, uh, I got uh, I I'll tell you more about what do you call that thing where a, a, a person arrives in front of the Queen and she taps him on the shoulder in victory in. Oh, that's too big a word for me to be one of what, yeah. what that they get a special sort of like an OBE or a that's right yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah, well, I am. Well, the Queen is dead. You know that. I, yeah, I, I know hate that, breaking well, bad news to you, but yeah, well, friend, I know that, and the Lord of mercy upon yes. the woman, uh, and that I got yesterday an invitation to Windsor Castle. I think it's the fourth second of March. Yes, to see Charles. Uh, to uh, see a, a, a good friend of mine that's uh, getting uh, tapped on the side of the shoulders. Very good. And is it an MBE or an OBE? You don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd say it'll be an OBE. Right. No, I might, I might get. Uh, <laughs> Uh, an NSU. They do more than tap you with the sword, I'll tell you. I could get an, in, an NSU, which is a no shaking you. <laughs> and, yeah, and are you all prepared for Brew Brew on the 11th of February? Oh, God, I uh, have. Have, you, have you got your party pieces ready and all of that? Yeah, I haven't, Fran. I'd have reckless nights over. Some fella told me last night he bought a, 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 the wife bought a ticket because I was on stage. I said, lad, listen, play this thing low-key. I said, <laughs> no, I said, they're advertising me. I said, I, I said uh, was it Michael Lowry said one time, he said, he said that man is unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, has me worried as well. <laughs> all right, Johnny, look after yourself. Take it easy. Right. Right, Frank, we shall see you, please, God. Bye-bye to you now. That's the great uh, Johnny Luby. He is on stage with us in Brew Brew, by the way, on February the 11th, along with uh, Michael Collins and Muriel and myself and Gabe Braslin. And it, look, it's going to be a crazy... I have no idea what he's going to do, to be honest with you, but it should be mighty crack. Uh, 1800 938 007. Back in a moment. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, Public Image Limited, uh, the post-punk band formed by Johnny Rotten or John Lydon, as he's known now in the wake of the Sex Pistols demise, will compete to represent Ireland at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Now, I played you a little of the song in question on the programme yesterday, and I, I was saying I like it very much, but um, there was a lot of disagreement uh, out there among our listeners and, indeed, uh, among my so-called colleagues in here as well. That's it playing there in the background. It's called... Hawaii. Well, Austin tunes our way in UK and he was in touch with us and he joins me now. Austin, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Fran. And really good to talk to you today. Your take on that um, John Lydon song would be what, Austin? I, I think the song is, it's okay. It wouldn't be my genre of music, Fran. Yeah. But um, it's very good. I think it's very good to have it in the final, you know, to, to have a variety in the Irish final. For many years, you know, there's been no... It's been very generic Irish final. And you've had the people choosing those songs have have gone for, oh, what do we think would win Eurovision rather than gone for a good song. A good song, you know? yeah. And I think this year there's been a change of mindset in whoever's been selecting those Irish songs. And they've gone for good songs rather than what they would think would win Eurovision. Now, you know, the definition of a good song depends on what your genre of It's subjective, music isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's very subjective. Yeah. But, uh, you know, rather than, you know, how should we say, bubblegum pop, they, they've put in a, a decent selection of songs this year. You know, there's a, there's a rap song in there this year. There's um, uh, an Enya-type song. Yeah. And um, I'm sure, Fran, if you played just 30 seconds of that Enya-type song, you'd get a totally different response to what you got to public image, you know. But, Possibly, uh, indeed. The, the one you're yeah. batting for, though, is Jennifer Connolly's uh, song. She's a very young lady. You seem to think she, that that is... Uh... I think... I, well, you have to kind of stand out in Eurovision. You know, of, of the, in the past few years, uh, it's songs that have have stood out. They've not they've broken you know, broken the mould. You had the um you had the rock, Italian rock yes. and that one. Uh you had a kind of a nineteen sixty style Portuguese song that won. You had a, another haunting song from the Netherlands, Arcade, that won in twenty nineteen. And then that went on after the contest. It went on to be a massive hit worldwide thanks to TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and it's had yeah. nearly a billion streams on TikTok. So, it's incredible. Um, and do you think a lot is down to the staging of these songs at this point as well? Well, the staging is very important. Well, there's three things. The song needs to be half decent yeah. or, you know, uh, and needs to have a hook, I think. Uh, the second thing is uh, the staging. And, of course, the singer needs to be able to sing and sing with confidence. Mm. You know, be, be make it effortless. You know, the French have chosen a singer this year and she, you, you know, she could sing from a, a telephone book but she makes it look effortless, so she's halfway there, you know. Right. We don't know what her song and is, but... You do know, you think the, the things are improving a little bit with the Eurovision, do you think? Um... Uh, I th- well, I think there's a whole new generation of um, young people interested in Eurovision now compared to the past, Yes. thanks to social media. And even though songs may not do well in Eurovision, 
they they have gone on to do really well after Eurovision. Mm. Um, like the Armenian entry this year, a, a, ironically, a, a country country music song, uh, it's done really really well after Eurovision. It came about I think 18th in Eurovision or something mm. like that. But it's gone on to gone viral, and it's the second most streamed song or Eurovision stream song ever on Spotify. Isn't that you know? very interesting? So just by getting into the final or the finals, um, you could actually make a huge career worldwide. Well, yeah. I mean, what uh, that Italian band, um, oh, I can't name, I can't think of the Italian rock band that won. Mm. They, what happened with them was, you know, they had their hit with their winning song and then their back catalog became hits and they had three top hits in the UK and they had a massive two massive hits in, in the US uh, with one of their back catalogue songs as well Begging and whatnot. Is, is that so, interesting just know, to remind it, people as well Austin that Liverpool will host the Euro uh, Song Contest this year on behalf of Ukraine uh, for obvious reasons it can't be held in uh, Ukraine is, is it something you'll try and get along to? It, 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 I, you know, it's difficult, Fran. I went along to Eurovision in um, 2000 when it was in Sweden, and uh, I was all excited. And after struggling a lot, I got tickets. I think it's even more difficult to get tickets today. Mm. But I got tickets. But uh, I went to the preview show. I had a really good seat for the preview show. You know, they have two shows, yes. one where they practice and one where they do the proper thing. And I had a really good seat for the preview show. And I only got the ticket for the preview show because I didn't think I'd get it for the main thing. Mm. And then I got a ticket for the main thing. But I was up in the backs of the Beyonds, Fran. Right. And, right. and I don't like heights. And I couldn't drink because I was worried I would topple down and things. <laughs> yes. And I was so far away from the stage, Fran. I was looking at this tiny screen and I was thinking to myself, God, Fran, I'd much prefer to be at home yes. watching it on TV so I get the full view of the stage rather than be in the back of the Beyond. Right, so, so you're, you're easy enough about attending the, yeah. li- the live yeah. version of it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. All from from a national point of view, the Late Late Show will host Eurosong on, I think it's the 3rd of February, if, if memory serves Yeah, it's the 3rd of February, right. yeah. They were going to host it on the 11th and all the Eurovision fans were up in arms because there's so many other national finals on the 11th. They didn't know how they would all tune into the same finals at the same time. You oh, know? right. You're, you're extremely so they, knowledgeable about you. Fair play to you. You're extremely I, I'm, I'm knowledgeable, but I wouldn't... I, I'm a big Eurovision fan, but there are even more massive Eurovision fans out there, Fran. Yeah. More massive than me. I mean, I would listen to snippets. The great thing about these days is you can listen to snippets of songs from all the national finals that yes. have been held. And, you know, you can back here. You know, it's like backing a horse. You go, I like that song. I hope it'll do well. I hope it'll get qualified for your... Right. Uh, and, um, you, you were also yeah. pointing out to Emma that um, Johnny Rotten, again, going back to him and his song Hawaii, he hates Eurovision, he said. He ha- well, apparently he says he hates Eurovision. Uh, it's a nonsense of a concert, uh, a contest. And he's there to introduce new music to Eurovision, you know. But obviously, if he hasn't been watching Eurovision over the past few years, he wouldn't realise the diversity that is in Eurovision. I you suppose. know, there is quite a lot of diversity in there now. And if it's a good song, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It will, if it's a good song and and got good st- staging, they have um, stage. There's international stage designers now that come on, and some people hire them to do the staging. And some of them are are so successful, you know, like they they take four songs and they'll get them into the final just purely 
partly due to their staging. You know, they're well able to make it appeal to audiences. And even though the song might be mediocre, they might be able to bring it up with their staging. You know? That's incredible, isn't it? Um, yeah, and would you object? I mean, if it turns out that John Lydon or Johnny Rotten or whatever is going to represent it, would you object to that? Or do you think, you know, well, it's... Not a, at all, Fran. Yeah, I think okay. it's, um, you, know, it, 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 you know, there are six songs there. There are the other five songs, I believe, are all by Irish artists. Yeah. Uh, he's there, I think, on merit. If the public like his song, then put it through. If the public, if it's a, if he goes and does a joke, and just because of the joke, like Dustin the Turkey, it goes through, then I'd be disappointed mm. because you know if people only vote for jokes, they won't get into the final these days. If it's a bad song and it's a joke, it's just that, you know, the public... Yeah. Well, in, in fairness to him, the song is dedicated to his wife who sadly has Alzheimer's, so it's a very personal song to him, it you is, know. It is, but we don't know what sort of a performance he's performance, done. Yeah. Do, you know, I mean, they were saying the BBC didn't want to choose him because they didn't know what, what he would get up to on stage if, or even in their yeah. national final, you know, because he's, you know, that's the I way suppose. He is, Well, the only thing know. going for him would be he certainly would be extremely well-known. Um, and if, if, do you think that might be a, a plus? Well, n- well, it's it's not really worked. When the BBC have selected Bonnie Tyler, um, what's that? They've selected top artists. Right. Uh, and they've not done well at all. You know, if yes. the song wasn't good, they've not they've not gelled with the audiences and it, it's you know you could we Ireland already sent didn't they send one of um, Westlife crew uh, and did he didn't qualify for the final so you know yeah. uh, just because you're a famous name doesn't um, doesn't mean automatic qualification for the final you know name recognition I suppose, is, yes, uh, you know what is it um, uh, there's a band in there oh god my brain's gone something youth and they're very popular in Ireland. So yeah. they will have a head start over most of the other contestants because they will have a fan base that will vote well, for that, them. Well, that, uh, that's Emma's favourite one. Um, and she played it for me this morning. And I thought it was kind of anthemic and the kind of thing that you it, could see working. It, it yeah. is. It is. But for me, it's a bit formula. Yes. You know? yeah. it's, a little, yeah. it's very anthem. And, and I'm, I'm sure he's, he is a great live singer. So it'd be interesting to see how he does compared to some of the other songs. I mean, as I say, there's some good there's some good tunes in there this year, which which bodes well because then if one of the good tunes and sometimes you get a good tune in the national final, but then they don't sing very well, and yeah, then they course, don't qualify, yeah. and you're disappointed then because you were had your hopes high, and a lot of times sometimes you see these these tunes and they're all videos, but then when it comes to singing live. Uh, it's a different ball game altogether, you know, isn't it? Yeah, would yeah. you come on with us again after the the late late show final? Because we'd love to hear your take on that. Would that be okay? Uh, yeah, I yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're officially appointing you our Eurovision expert, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you have other Eurovision experts, but thank you. That's already called in. But uh, more than happy to come on, Fran, after the after the show. Well, yeah. uh, delighted to talk to you as always, and a happy New Year to you, Austin. And thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Fran. Thank you okay. about you. Now that's okay. Austin uh, listening to us in the UK with some uh, very learned opinions there, indeed, on Eurovision. How do you feel about that? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The word that Johnny and I were searching searching for in terms of uh, when you get um, an OBE or an MBE from royalty is investiture, says another learned listener out there. Investiture. And uh, thank you for that. And I'll pass that info on to our Johnny. Back in a moment. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Listener says, good morning, Fran. We sent a turkey, for God's sake. If that wasn't giving Eurovision uh, two fingers, we can forget all about uh, Eurovision, says Rosemary to us this morning on 083 Tyrone is with me now. Tyrone, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today. Um, you have some thoughts on Eurovision, Tyrone? Um, yeah, just um, the whole thing is a farce, really, that I think really it's going to be a bit of a pantomime, really, for years, hasn't it? Well, it certainly seems to be based an awful lot on staging and on shock factor and all of that kind of thing, you know. But do you think the songs have suffered or do we have good songs from it anymore? I don't think so, really. There haven't been a great song, I'd say a great song, a good song in, in years, really, has there? For, especially for Ireland. I mean, yeah. the last song to win it for Ireland was, was it... Um, the Voice, was it? I think in the 90s. I, I don't know. Was that what it was? Yeah. God knows, I can't even remember. Yeah. I'm not, I have to hold my hand up here at Tyrone and say I'm not a huge Eurovision fan. No, so, I'm not myself you now. Yeah. I'm not myself. But, um, I mean, everyone watched it years ago when Ireland were doing Absolutely, good. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and yeah. things like that. But I think the final nail in the coffin for the Eurovision was last year when Ukraine won it. I mean, that just, that just typified how... Do you think, what do you make of that, that it was a kind of a sympathy vote of some kind? Was that it? Or a political vote, maybe? It was without, I mean, without without it being a political vote, it was a sympathy vote, I think, which was, you know, totally wrong. I mean, if you listen to that song, I mean, Jeannie, that song was the biggest load of crap that ever ever produced. Yeah, I can't even remember. Because I know the British song, probably most people figured should have won. Um, but as you say, for political reasons or sympathy reasons or whatever, um, your Ukraine won, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, anyone who listens to the two songs would know that the the UK song was, you mm. know, a lot better than it. I mean, even could could anyone even understand the Ukrainian song? You know, I I, I couldn't anyway. And mm. you know, I I'm not a big fan of the Eurovision, but I mean, I wouldn't watch it for for things like that. That. Do you you agree with the listener, though, who makes the point, uh, have we damaged ourselves in Eurovision with the turkey at the time, thinking we were funny? (laughs) I don't don't know. I mean, God, uh, it was was kind of a, I don't know, was it a a bit of a, what would you call it, a joke anyway, just uh, they yeah, sent see, him on the see, we, we, um, Yeah, we found him funny here because we understood what the story was, but sure, the rest of the world didn't know what we were at, you know? Yeah, yeah I suppose they didn't, but I mean, you can't, um, they, I mean, there was no other songs at the time, was there? there was, I mean, the songs were, the songs that they were producing before that weren't good. They didn't deserve to do any good, really, did they? I, I'm, well, you see, my, my problem with it is I, I'm still not clear as to who chooses the songs or how they're chosen or, you know? Yeah, that was a that uh, was the thing I was... Uh, R- RTE seems to have juri- total jurisdiction over it, you know? So uh, Yeah, so, I mean, how does... um Who chooses the... Songs that go forward now, you were saying the late, late show. Yeah, my, my understanding is there's a panel of people that make the decision. This, but, but again, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely clear where that's concerned, you know? Yeah, well, um, I, if, if I was um, this, if I was going to watch it and view it this time, I'd say I, I would like Johnny 
Johnny Rotten, Rotten to, to go forward. Would you? Yeah. I would. I mean, the song has a bit of meaning, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I, I like it. I, but heard, I heard it the other day and it has a bit of meaning and it's... Uh, it's it, like he wrote it for his wife that Dead. has Alzheimer's and yeah. all. So, I mean, there's a bit of a background to it and a bit of a meaning to it. So. Yeah, I, I played it yesterday and people let their head off me when I said I liked it and, uh, you know. Oh, I, there's, there's no accounting for taste, <laughs> is there? I suppose, yeah. yeah. Do you have a favourite Euro- Eurovision? I'm inclined to look at the Neave Kavanagh song, In Your Eyes. I think that was a great song. Do you have a favourite Eurovision winner? An Irish one is what I mean. I'd say the best Irish one was probably, I mean... Uh, um, Charlie McGettigan and um, oh, rock and roll kids, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was quite a good song. I, I like that now. That was a good song, and um, I suppose uh, Johnny Logan songs yeah. were good. I, I mean, you know, what's another good, year? And yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. I I wonder though if you introduced or if you enter something like what's another year now, would it have any chance at all? Yeah. You know. Um, it probably wouldn't because I mean he, he he was just sat there on a chair, wasn't he? He was there was no dancing or no jumping around. Or, yeah. You know he, he. I mean now it's kind of you have to put on a whole a whole big show, don't you? Like a yeah. a spectacle and things like that. I mean he probably wouldn't get it. it's 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 uh, it's more um, heavy metal than crack like that now, isn't it? Yeah. You have to. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a more of a show and a staging, as as Austin said. Thomas was on, and he says he disagrees with you profoundly. Um, he said the Ukraine song was good, um, uh, and he says the UK song was very good as well. But he said the Ukraine one was good. So you have a little bit. You see, music is so subjective, Tyrone. That's the thing, isn't it? What you might like, I might like, and you know. Yeah, I mean it is subjective. I mean everyone likes different kind of music, and I suppose that's what uh, what like I mean. I don't. I I listened to the Ukraine song and I, I just didn't like it. I mean, and whether the song was good or not, I mean, every I knew one hundred percent that the Ukraine was going to win it last year. It was right. the talk. Everyone knew. I mean, so they could have put a which in my view was a bad song. They could have put a brilliant song in or a bad song or a middle of the road song. They were going to win anyway. It didn't matter what kind of a song. I think if they went out and they'd done a bloody. Uh, uh, if they sent a mime artist out on the stage, I'd say they would have won last year. Right, well, that, and that begs the next question to you is, should your revision reflect what the uh, the viewership um, thinks? I mean, particularly after the invasion of Ukraine. Is is that okay or is that not right in your, in your viewpoint then? Well, I don't think it was right that it won it on the grounds that it was a... Uh like you said, a political vote or a sympathy vote. I don't think it was right on them grounds that they won it, you know. I mm. mean, it's not... I mean, that's... The competition is... Just, you might as well not turn up. They might as well have given it to them as a token gesture, which they did in the end, a token gesture, you know. It's, uh, you know... Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's just, I suppose... That's the Eurovision for you with the last couple of years. Well, They're all, see, politics, it's all black voting. Anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. That's the point I was going to make. I mean, politics have... Uh, played a part in this for many, many years with that block voting that you're referring to there and countries supporting each other and that sort of thing, you know. So it's it's always part of it. I suppose maybe it's inevitable it, it's part of it. Yeah, I suppose it is now. And if you're going to watch it, you have to expect that. But, but like, I mean, if, if, if John Lydon goes through and he gets to represent Ireland, I might, I might watch it and see how he gets on. But... Um, I mean, I, I haven't heard any of the other Irish songs, so I don't, I can't, I yeah. can't comment on them. But I mean, the song, his song, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a brilliant song, but it, at least there's a bit of meaning to it, and you know, um, 
Yeah. I suppose he, he wrote it himself, I think, didn't he? He so. did indeed, uh, about his wife, Nora. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our listeners saying, uh, I think uh, John Lydon's song is very uh, sentimental and loving. It's a tribute to his wife, Nora, who has Alzheimer's, the listener goes on to say, but not, in my opinion, suitable for Eurovision. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, it's fair enough comments, it'll probably, it? It'll, Yeah, it is. It'll probably strike a chord with people that have um, family members suffering or absolutely. From, from things like, you from, know... From dementia and that From dementia as well, yeah. and Alzheimer's and all like that. So all right, probably... well, Tyrone, as I said to Austin, we'd love to get your opinion when we hear the the the, the songs and, and maybe when that uh, final happens on the Late Late Show as well. If that's OK, we'd get back to you. Would that be OK? Yeah, that's fine. No problem, right. yeah. You look after yourself, oh. Tyrone. Lovely to talk to you. And thank you yeah, for your you, time this morning. You thank too. You. Thanks, bye. about you now? That's Tyrone with his opinion on Eurovision. What about yours? 1800-938-007. Uh, speaking of music, uh, delighted to hear from my young friend, DJ Andy, who is telling me that there's live music tonight at Ryan's Bar in Newport uh, between nine and half past 11. And uh, the band playing there, One for the Road. And I believe they're absolutely mighty and great crack and all of that. And uh, DJ Andy himself will be on the decks uh, from half past 11 until late there. So we wish them well tonight. Ryan's Bar, Newport. News on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. My old friend Patrick was on where Eurovision is concerned and he makes the point that Ireland can't afford Eurovision anymore nor do they want to win Eurovision. Why send a turkey and now possibly Johnny Rotten? And Patrick goes on to say, why not send Eamon Ryan to snore his way uh, through it and call it the the snoring song? Poor old Eamon Ryan gets an awful hard time on this programme. We're also hearing about a black female Labrador called Sophie who is missing in the Old Bar Road area since uh, Tuesday afternoon. If anybody has any any information on that you might uh, let us know. Uh, 1800-938-007. You can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now yesterday we spoke to Muriel Cuddy, CEO of uh, the clinic Marito 8020 regarding anti-diet culture. One of our listeners, Aidan, was in touch with us about this. Good morning to you, Aidan. Hi, Frank. Great to bring you. And uh, good to talk to you today, Aidan. Will you tell me about your 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 views uh, on this? Um, do you, do you have concerns about social media normalising um, excess waste now? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Sorry, uh, sorry. We we we're just having a problem with your phone, and that you can hear me okay now, Aidan. Can you? I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, you're just coming and going a little. You you uh, have some thoughts on that that notion of normalising excess weight, Aidan? Of course. Um, no, the interview you done yesterday was very brave because it is a rather controversial topic. And the person in question that came up yesterday was uh, Jamie Lopez. Now, for those of you at home that might not know about Jamie Lopez, they are a influencer online that is a very big voice in this. Um, as they call it online, and of my generation call it, fast pride movement agenda type of deal. Right. So what this is, is people who are obese, basically praising each other for being obese. Now, 
This person died December 2022, uh, Jamie Lopez. Uh, they died at £846. Wow. wow. Which is six times over the obese, you know, weight in pounds. Yes. Now... And I, I saw a video of her, Aidan, and she could barely get around uh, towards the end of her life. She was really in bad shape, wasn't she? Yeah, she was in bad shape now. And she got a lot of publicity because she opened up, I think, with a hair salon or a makeup salon for uh, heavier people. Now, you think to yourself, you know, that doesn't sound so bad. I'm sure if I was a heavy person and I wanted to get my hair done, it would be nice to have a place for me. But there's a fine line in the stand, Fran where it goes from accommodating these people and praising them for what is a self-destructive ideology. Mm. And that's what it is. It is an ideology. And in the real world, you know, ideologies, not, they don't always have the facts to back them up. And if you ask any healthcare or even murals like Mural yesterday, a lot of the facts say that it is unhealthy and it wouldn't be praised. If you had anyone that was in other, any other type of a self-destructive Habits, say alcoholism, self-harm, you wouldn't go around and tell them they're beautiful for doing it. You tell them they're beautiful for trying to stop. And it's the same with these people who are having eating disorders and stuff that need the extra support and the extra push to go in the right direction rather than the extra push to go in the wrong one. Yeah, it's it's very interesting points that you're, you're making. And of course, we were at pains to point out we're not talking about anybody fat shaming people in, in the least here. It's just not glorifying it in some sort of a way. Is that is that is that what you mean, Aidan? Exactly, Fran. And that's a very important distinction to make, especially on places like uh, social media, especially in my generation. Because if you even brought up this controversial topic, and it's why it's not FM was so brave to take it on in the first place. If you put this up online or maybe in any digital space where there might be members of this community, this fat-free community, you will be hung and quartered, regardless of the points you're making, regardless of how clear and concise your facts and evidence are, because it's something that people don't want to hear, and it does get labelled a lot as bullying. But it's important to keep in mind the people that come with these facts and these points they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're trying to save lives. Jamie Lopez died at 37 years of age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, was it made clear that she died from symptoms brought about by her her size? Was that made clear at the time, Maiden? Uh, yes, it was made was it? crystal yeah. clear. Uh, so far as to, towards the end of her life, she tried to lose weight to the point where she lost over 400 pounds, whether that was because of uh, sickness or whether it was because of working. I know that there was extensive reports of her trying to change her life around. But unfortunately, when you've gone that far and you're that way, there's only two things that are going to stop you from dying of obesity. The first one is you changing your life around. And the second one is something getting to you first. Yeah, I, I, like I battled with with uh, a little, you know, a couple of stone overweight for, for quite some time. And I know how difficult it can be to lose that weight, Aidan. So I'd be very aware of the issues uh, around it. But again, I, you know, it wouldn't be the, the aesthetics of it I'd be concerned about. It's just from a health point of view, you know. That's exactly it. And 
there's also a full opposite of you, Fran, especially on social media, where there's people that, you know, they're aware of the facts, they're aware of the logic, and they know that people of this type of uh, body weight aren't healthy. They go the completely opposite way around, especially in my peer group now, in my generation, say people that are early 2000s, they come in and they think they're doing God's work for what is essentially bullying people. And it's not just adults, these are kids doing it as well. Kids that might be a little bit overweight because they're not eating the right food or whatnot. And they think, oh, if I bully this individual, okay, and it is bullying, there's no other way around it. This yes. is this isn't coming up and saying, listen, I'm concerned about your health. These are what I found in this report. I feel like this is something you should read about. This is picking on someone and thinking and getting into the mindset that if I pick on this individual, they will turn life around. And that's not the way about it either, friend. It's very important to clarify that there's a big difference between coming in and giving facts like me and you and trying to help people that might have this image problem and this weight problem and then bullying someone and somehow misdirecting yourself, thinking that you're going to turn this person's life around. And as a young person yourself, finally, Aidan, um, is social media so powerful that, you know, to see endorsement of obesity, would, would that almost make it okay for somebody to say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm a, I'm a few stone overweight, that's fine because now that's being normalised. Is it that powerful? Well, like I said, Fran, it's an ideology. Like these are a marginalised group, just like a lot of marginalised groups in society, like... Um, the LGBT group, they were marginalized. They got uh, pride. Uh, feminism was a big thing. Uh, now we have um, fat pride. And it seems like it makes sense, but the difference between the likes of feminism and the LGBT community and fat pride is that feminism and the LGBT community isn't self-destructive. Right, it won't kill you. Yeah, It won't yeah. kill you, and that is a big difference. And on social media, a lot of people have been conditioned to this kind of thing, like accepting people for who they are and everybody wants to be happy because these are a lot of the arguments you'll hear for other movements and stuff like that. And they make sense. They don't make sense, though, when this is something that's slowly killing you. Aidan, it was a pleasure to talk to you today and thank you for being so eloquent on the programme. Really good to talk to you, Aidan. Thank you. Of course. Th thank you and good morning to you. What, what, what do you make of that, this sort of uh, new... Uh, social media take that's out there on normalising excess weight. How do you feel about that? 1800-938-007. Now, yesterday on the programme, my good friend Joe Noble shared her experiences of paranormal activity and uh, she sent us some fascinating photographs of strange orbs and lights and vortexes and that kind of thing. We put them up on social media. We got an amazing uh, amount of people interacting with us about uh, that. But one of our listeners was in touch to share his story with us and Liam joins me. Now, Liam, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Sam. And really good, to, really good to talk to you. You were listening to us yesterday, Liam. Will you yeah. tell me about, about your experience? It was in hospital in Waterford, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, I, got, um, I was down in the hospital in, <clears throat> sorry, in Waterford. I had um, septic arthritis. So I was after having gone to a procedure anyway. And uh, the, the next morning, at about 11 o'clock, I just had a bit of a snooze. And I opened my eyes and uh, there was a woman a well-dressed woman appeared in front of me on the wall, just, just standing there. And um, I just blinked my eyes again and she, she was gone. And the same thing happened the morning after. 
and it's a different woman, uh, completely well dressed as well. And then on the third morning, um, a teenage girl from just from the waist up appeared. And oh the morning, then um, a soldier or some kind of a warrior on a horse was uh, going out over some kind of a fence or ditch or something. And then on the fifth morning, this uh, uh, was like a person directing me with two uh, table tennis bats, like, like uh, you'd be directing in an airplane or truck or whatever. Yes. And and was pulling them. That was the first one to, to, uh, to do any bit of action, and you know, the other one just still. And and was directing me in, and I couldn't see the person because they pulled the two bats over the rise, and that was it. So. Michael, and were you were you very frightened, Liam? Uh, tell you the truth, I thought it was tracking up. I said there's something, there's something wrong here. So, but uh, I wasn't really that frightened, you know. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I was talking to people since, and they said it's uh, uh, to some kind of hallucinations. But after a procedure like that, um, the, the septic arthritis I had, if um, the, the doctor told me later that if I didn't leave it a day later or even half a day, I'd be gone, you know. So, right, so you yeah. you were close to death before, yeah, yeah. my god. And do you think yourself that it was to do with hallucination or or, or, or drugs you were on? Or, or... Yeah, I, I, it, it, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I thought. It could be the drugs, you know. I was on so much um, medication. I don't really know what I was on, you know. But I, it was a lot of it was some heavy medication anyway. So. And Liam, did you recognise any of the people? No, 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 never seen them before. Right. And, um, and were you in a ward on your own? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. Right, so so you yeah. couldn't ask anybody... Well, no, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't shout for help. <laughs> right. So, uh, whatever. Um, that's but I, I, I know why people might think, you know, it was due to hallucination or, or whatever, but it was peculiar that it was just once a day. Yeah, I said about the same time. Oh, I suppose no, the same time. Talk, you know, just uh, after... Maybe after having a meal and the doctor, somebody will be calling to you fairly often. Yes. And maybe when they, when they go, I just have to snooze off and uh, after, after that, it just happens. And uh, are you the kind of person that would have had other experiences of paranormal stuff, Liam? Uh, not, not like that. I, I had... Well I, well, I did, I suppose. I couldn't think it. I had a few... Uh, I was... Um, a, a woman disappeared from back near a few miles away and um, she just disappeared one night and was never seen again or never had tell her afterwards and I, I was down I was going out to the girl from down that area and we, we were sitting in the car one night and um, I pulled into a gateway and we were, we were just there talking in the car and Next thing she started shaking, and I thought it was some kind of an epileptic fit she had. Mm. And uh, she was saying, and I said, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she said, look, look at the back window. So I looked at the back window, and this thing was um, kind of floating in the air outside the back window of the car. And it was like a, a black kind of maybe a blanket or something like that. Yeah. Well, I thought uh, I, there was somebody trying to frighten us, so I... Uh, 
I reversed it. I was sitting on the driver's seat and I reversed out straight away and onto the road. Yes. And, and I went back down the road. You could see the gear down the road from maybe 100 shares each way. And um, there was not a sign of anything. And I went up and down the road about three or four times. And at that time of the year, you know those white um, weeds that grow on the side of the, side of the ditch? Yeah, and sure, that. yeah. Yeah, and there was no sign of any gap whatsoever, you know, so... So, um, so there was no footprints, there was no no, no way that anybody was around it? Or... Yeah, no sign of anything, you know. My God. And what what was the link to the lady who disappeared? Uh, she lived um, she lived not too far away from there, very right. near, uh, you know. Right, so you think it was linked in some way or something? Yeah, that's why I was just, you know, I was just thinking that something like that. My God. And, yeah. uh, just a few other things then. Um, uh, in our area, I, I live around, I live in Rossmore myself. Mm. And Rossmore, Balloch and Canodia, uh, around that area, the people at night time used to see a big dog. You know, there could be about three people together mm. and just one person would see the dog and the other two wouldn't see anything. It was a huge dog anyway and it was a uh, to see him for a long time, you know. This I'm talking about 70, 80 years ago, but I haven't been seen lately. Oh. It's incredible. My, my, my grandfather always spoke about a ghost dog in Agers Lane in Cashel. And, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. said that a lot of people knew about it, a lot of people spoke about it in Cashel over yeah. the years as well. So that puts a whole other angle on it, is ghostly animals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, it's right. And and since your experience in in hospital, Liam, have you seen anything since? No, 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 no. I haven't seen anything. Right, no. very interesting. And how is the health with you now? It's um, it's not too bad. I I did another knockout after that. I got uh, I must have gotten a a, a defibrillator. All oh, right. Treated. And you got that treated, and uh, it's. Uh, I guess about six weeks now. Uh, right, so that, that's for the heart, is it? For the... Yeah, yeah, for the heart, yeah. yeah. It controls, well, it don't really control it. The, it monitors the, the blood flow to the heart. If the, if, the, if the flow is coming too strong, you get a heart attack. I can stop. Um, you could die You could uh, die in your sleep, you know. Right. Like, uh, some uh, Bruchetta syndrome is what they call it. My God! So, so the 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 machine it monitors that in some way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's inserted just inside the shoulder, uh, going from the top of the shoulder, right. and connected into the heart. And if you um, if you get any attack, either too much blood or not enough, it will kick in to kind of give you like a jump start, if you like. Excellent. Well, that's 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 reassuring, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. Liam. Yeah. Well, Liam, you look after yourself, and thank you so much for coming on with me about yeah. that. Uh, I have a lot of other ones. I may tell you some other times. So. Yeah, I look for, uh, in fact, I think what we're going to do is dedicate a whole programme to it at some stage or other because there's such interest uh, in it, Liam. So we'd love if you join us at that point. Would that be OK? Yeah, OK, fine. All right. Be, be yeah. safe and well, Liam, and thank you, and good morning to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's uh, Liam there speaking to us uh, this morning. Rosari was on as well, and she said uh, a ghostly thing that happened to me was about 35 years ago. And I hadn't spoken about it very much except to, to the family, but I was at Feathered Folk Park and went into the museum there. I had my son and my husband uh, with me. I was looking at one of the hearses when I felt a very cold hand on my back through my clothing. 
Now, I thought I was in the way of somebody and I turned around, but there was nobody around me. There was nobody there. So myself and my son and my husband, we headed out very, very quickly indeed, but I didn't make a big deal about it at uh, the time. It's interesting. If that happened to me, you see, I'd collapse. I would fall down on the ground. i need one of those things that Liam has. Um... Anyway, uh, what about stories from you on that? 83 311 half past ten. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now, uh, one of our listeners saying, I'm not one bit sorry for Damien English and his resignation. You interviewed him one morning, Fran. He was very arrogant, says Jerry, who's in Thurnus. Did I indeed, Jerry? I can't even remember uh, that we did. Thank you, and nice to hear from you today, Jerry. Uh, somebody else saying, Fran, an absolute insult to every man, woman, and child from Ireland to send Dustin the turkey to Eurovision. Pure mockery, it says, and it's good enough for them for not winning anymore. Well, you see, I suppose the them is us, if you know what I mean. So whoever goes out there is representing us, so we should sort of hope for the best. But I agree with the, the whole turkey thing was just crazy. I mean, absolutely uh, madness, but uh, there you go. Uh, is somebody else saying, Fran, do you realise that Tipperary is one of the greatest poets, uh, songwriters in the history of civilization? even? Did anybody ask Shane McGowan uh, to maybe put a few words together for Eurovision. I'm not sure would Shane be interested, but I agree with you on his immense talent. Uh, that's for sure. Um, OK, lots more coming in to us. Let me just bring you this one from Tracy. And Tracy says, Fran, I hope you're well. I personally think we should send Cuckoo's Nest that was on the toy show to the Eurovision. We would stand a better chance of doing well with them representing us. I used to love the toy show as a child. We would all gather together with uh, pizza and treats and watch it. It was great, but now it's so political and it's nowhere near as good as the old. I go along with that, uh, Tracy. Obviously, my lads are growing up now and I don't see it as much as I used to. But it seems to have turned into something completely different. But, you know, um, I've told you a hundred times over the years, I'm a huge fan of Gay Byrne. And for my money, nobody did it like Gay Byrne. But there you go. Anyway, something completely different. God's Spy Productions, currently filming for a Second World War biopic with production taking place right across Munster uh, this week. And uh, the good news is that filming is currently underway in the lovely town of Care. And councillor Andy Maloney joins me now. Andy, good morning to you. Morning, friend. And, and before we start, friend, I, I'm, I'm disgusted that nobody has suggested friend and Murray. <laughs> that would even be worse than dust in the turkey, I would imagine, <laughs> uh, Andy. Um, uh, yet another um, filming of a movie in care. This is great news for the area, Andy. Yes, and I suppose uh, the fact that it's down at the Swiss Cottage is kind of better for us that it's opening up that end of the, yeah. of the walkway, you know, to to to, to a new production. And um, because at the moment the inch field is flooded, so anything filming around the castle wouldn't have been possible uh, this week, you know, so it's great news for care again, you know, and it yeah. just kind of stabilised the fact that it's, it has become a film destination town. Yeah, what can you tell us about the movie? Well, I suppose they moved in, I suppose, on Wednesday, and I suppose it, it became apparent with the public after an article in the Irish Examiner, even though it was known locally with OPW and the council, those had known, but it was all kept hush hush. But um, it, it's based on World War Two. Um, Film, uh, a biopic, and uh, it's 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 by a producer called uh, Todd uh, Komarniki, I think is his, they said mm. his name was, and he's best known for a production of Sully, which was directed by Clint Eastwood back in 2016. Um, 
as we can have big names in it, and I was talking to some of the lads there working on the set last night, there's no huge big names. I suppose maybe in time to come they will, but he told me, one of the guys said that this will be, it'll take about two years, and that it will be a huge success. He said that he's no doubt about it, one of the lads that works on it, he says, but he said it'll take about two years. But filming yesterday and today, and then they moved to Ennis County Clare uh, for next Monday, so they're in Ireland for two and a half weeks, and then most of it is done in Belgium. Uh, of the production so it's a huge production right. there's a big team of, of actors and extras and everything around with it and do they feature the cottage itself or is it just the grounds around it or how does that work Andy they're, they're in they're in the lawn of the Swiss cottage and the cottage is the, the Swiss own and they will be in the background no doubt and it's obviously they need it for a couple of scenes but the, the frightening part about it is, is that when I was talking to one of the guys there yesterday for 10 hours filming, they got three minutes of film. Wow. Ten hours. So wow. you're talking about two days, and like when they're, they're doing about the 10 hours because uh, they have big lights go on there and doing a dusk of the evening and that. So they're getting, they get about six or seven minutes, he told me, alone just from the two days filming. Yeah, but it's fantastic news. I mean, we're all hearing about uh, the Banshees of uh, Inishir and what that's going to do for, for Aran Island and uh, the like. I mean, the film has been so good to the town of Care over the years and people still coming there on on the back of the movies. Yes, and when you look deeper into this guy, you, you see that the likes of John Gorman, who was around for producing the directing the Excalibur back yeah. in the early years, uh, Mel Gibson, you know, they're, they're all travelling in those sections, circles, and Mel Gibson had been in town to look at the castle about a film some time ago as well. So they're all travelling. Now, I'm the worst person in Ireland to ask about a film because I would know one of them from the other, and <laughs> I was summoned to see the band Cheese of Inish Free into the, to the cinema. And I came home thinking to myself, what happened there, and where will I ever get that hour and a half back in my life? Oh, are you and serious? It, you didn't enjoy it? No. I, I couldn't figure it out at all. If I didn't. The man was cutting his fingers and I would not. I just couldn't figure it out. And, and the wife was with me and said the same thing to go, What was all that about? And this thing I see the other night is getting awards left, right, and centre. I said, I'm the worst man in Ireland. So I better stick, <laughs> stick to getting the facilities up to standard and getting the town up to the standard that, that keeps bringing these people around, you know, because no doubt about it that a lot of the people there yesterday, the crew guys that were just hanging around, were making use of the walks and even out through the town and around the bypass and back in. So people were circulating and I met a good few men around the town last night at hotels full. So at a time of the year when it would normally be quiet, it has brought a bit of a buzz, even though people won't see anything in the car parks like they did, but the Swiss cottage yes. car parks are closed. But people can still walk down along through the golf course and down along through the see what's going on if they wanted to get Right. Out. But the local economy is benefiting from this, as you say, with the bars and the restaurants and uh, Yeah, hugely. And like at this time of the year there's so many coughs and coos and yeah. going around like you know, just people looking for a bit of medication and they're looking for a, a takeaway roll and a sandwich and a coffee. These guys are some guys to drink coffee, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Indeed, all right. It's very good. We, we we won't hire you as the film reviewer then, Andy. <laughs> No, I'd be the worst in the world now. I, I'd go back to the Popeye and Tom and Jerry era. But, like, you just do a film reviews. I can shake my head at that one because the last time I was in the cinema, I said to wife that I took three pounds to win. And uh, I think it was up around 11 euro now. So I just did that. I got to tell you how long ago since I was in the cinema. But I just couldn't make head nor tail of it. I thought the scenery was good, fair enough. Yeah. But I just, I just didn't. It didn't do it for me. But look, that's me. I just said, like, yeah, a lot of people got great enjoyment and a lot of great reviews from it. But. I just, I'm, I'm still scratching my head over. It, yeah, we we were discussing it the other day, and we had a very mixed um, reaction from from listeners. That's uh, for sure. But in the meantime, this this movie seemingly is called The Poor Boy, is it? No, God Spy. Oh, God Spy. Okay, God right. Spy. Yeah, yeah. So God Spy, it, I'm told, is as nice as the name is, and it told me it'll be about two years before it hit the, the screens. Okay, uh, I th- I yeah. thought it was God Spy Productions making a movie called. 
poor boy. Well, but maybe so. Maybe look. Maybe I don't. I should be listening when I when I'd be talking. Maybe. <laughs> I love it. Well, Andy, it's fantastic, but but um, uh, you can't get into the Swiss Cottage now for a day or so, can you? Well, the Swiss Cottage is closed anyway to the anyway, public yes. until March. You know, right. but either way, you still can't cross the bridge, but you can walk down the Swiss Walk and you, know, you can do your walks and all that. And uh, people can out exercise and see all the commotion going on. And look, it's a spectacle. So if somebody wanted to see what's going on, they'd have to park in the, in the town uh, and walk down along. But it's just... Um, you know, you won't see it. You'll see a bit active. You'll see tents up and you'll see extra stuff that's brought away. The base is out there in here. So there's a bit of action around, all right? Because it's just, um, you won't see like what we see Matt Damon and all those guys right. walking around the town. You won't see that, but you will definitely see some something happening. Right. I think it's good. It's good for the town. What, what it does for the town is it, when the word goes out, like that, another film in Kia, people sit up and say, What's going on in Kia? But this is the first with the Swiss cottage. And even as it is, I said after the last one, there was another film in the making for the Swiss. And, but still, I, I even today, and I'm trying to touch base with another group that had contacted me about an, another film in the future, a romantic one. So, look, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty going on. There's plenty more. Going. So we just, and from our end, we just had to give our facilities rise and we're trying to stand up when all these people are coming in. And that's what we're trying to do all the time. All right. Well, it's great news for, for the area. That's for sure. Andy, look after yourself. And thanks for thanks, coming man. over. Thank you. Good morning to you. Councillor Andy Maloney speaking to us there from... The uh, town of Care, and no, I am assured the film is called The Poor Boy, and uh, it's good God's Spy Productions that are currently filming there in the beautiful town of Care. All right, we'll take a break. Back in a second. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on one eight hundred nine three eight double o seven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the now, Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie And early childhood education specialist Dr Mary O'Kane believes that 2023 is important for families to get out of their comfort zone and urging families to put wee time escapes high on the agenda for the family calendar, particularly ahead of midterm and the new uh, Republic of Ireland bank holiday on February the 6th as well. I'm delighted to say she joins me now. Dr Mary, good morning to you. Thanks, Sam. Lovely to talk to you. And really good to talk to you as well. Um, we touched on this last week on the programme, Mary, and, mm-hmm. y- you know, you're right, we tend to remember family outings and family trips more than anything else from our childhood. Our fam, there was a piece of research in the US and it asked adults about their sort of most treasured memories from childhood. And they thought they would probably say birthdays or maybe really expensive presents they got as kids or something. But they didn't. It was time with us. It was family time. It was little days out. You know the way your your dad might have said to you, come on, we're going to go for a spin in the car and take you off somewhere. So it wasn't the really expensive stuff that they remembered. It was time, like days out and just family time doing fun things together. And actually, sometimes the disasters, the day when something went wrong, yes, you know, yeah. so like mommy was paddling and then she fell in and got all wet, the stuff like that. Um, but it was really the family time, the inexpensive family time was not really, really mattered. So I'm kind of saying to parents, you know, with the new year, instead of resolution saying, I'm going to deprive myself, but I'm going to give up stuff, Mm. maybe think about trying to have a little more wee time, a little more fun 
How should you approach it, though, Mary? Because, of course, if if you have kids, uh, you know, being forced into a situation into the back of a car and stuff and you just head off somewhere, it, it, mightn't, work, it mightn't work out all that well. So I presume planning has to, to go into this. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's funny, with our new bank holiday and midterm or whatever coming up, if you're anything like me, if you think, oh, we'll do something, and then it sneaks up on you and you don't do anything. So again, what I'm saying to parents is, is Put a bit of thought into it, a bit of planning. I've been doing a bit of work with um, Tourism Northern Ireland. My husband is from Derry. Mm. So a lot of the time, a lot of my kids' memories would be of being up the north because we would go up the north and off. But uh, they have like a travel um, hub. They have like discoverireland.com, a family hub mm. where you can plan stuff. But I mean, it's mean north or south. It doesn't have to be expensive trips off the road or anything. I'm saying to parents, even say to your kids, okay, Sit down. The midterm is coming up. Let's sit down and have a little look at what is available, what's out there. And it could be something local. It could be something up the north where you pop them in the car and go mm-hmm. up. But involve them in picking something fun that they would enjoy. And if they find something with a bit of adventure, a bit of fun in it, they'll be dying to have a day out with you. It's amazing. You, you mentioned the word adventure. And most kids now go to their, their iPads or their laptops for yeah. adventure. And it's sort of, it's, it's not real. This is a way of bringing them into the real world, I suppose, Mary. Oh, Sam, that's exactly it. Technology can be wonderful. I mean, gosh, we all found that in COVID. You know, mm. you could FaceTime granny or whatever. So it's absolutely wonderful. But it's also, I think, one of the biggest parenting challenges we face today trying to get them off screens. Mm. So again, this is an opportunity to say, you know what, let's look for some fun stuff to do because there is so much out there. And funny, I mentioned COVID at the beginning, after COVID, I'm hearing from so many parents that their children are maybe struggling more with anxiety or they seem more sensitive or maybe they don't seem as resilient as they would have been before. And again, I'm saying to parents, you know, if your child is a little bit anxious, if they're, if, they were, if they're a worrier, oh my gosh, pushing them outside their comfort zone, encouraging them to do something adventurous is really, really good for them. Because they try something adventurous, say it might be, oh gosh, it could be zip lining, it could be mm. you know, even climbing a mountain, it could be you know, wind surfing, being able to surfing on the beach, whatever it might be. You, you pick something the comfort zone, and what happens is they experience those feelings of anxiety, but they experience them doing something fun. So they maybe get their hearts pounding a little bit, and their palms getting a little mm-hmm. bit sweaty, and they're thinking, "Oh my gosh!" But you're doing it as a family, so it's really in a safe space, and they realise you know sometimes things can be a little bit scary. But I'm brave. You know, I'm actually quite strong. I'm quite capable. I can do this stuff. And it's really good for building their confidence and building their resilience. And and that bonding as well, I guess, Mary, you know, that has to enhance whatever emotional ties are in, oh, in the family. Absolutely. It really does. And again, even thinking about resilience, you're pushing yourself outside your country. Yeah. Yeah. That could be good for bonding. Like, there's nothing kids love more than you know, if mommy is a bit scared of doing something. Like you're going to do something and mommy's like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that. And then they step up. And they're like, oh, come on. I'll hold your hand or I'll help you. Believe me, Fran, I have been there. I'm a wuss. I'm really bad <laughs> with heights. I'm so bad with heights. And my kids love nothing 
better. Yes, and they become the leader, and they, they become the leader for a little while. So exactly, Brown, and they love it, and it gives them confidence. But it also helps with those family bonds because they see, like, you know, when life gets hard, like when like COVID comes along, or when when times are difficult. We, we hold hands and we get through this together as a family. And that's really, really good for a family bonding. And as a psychologist, Mary, though, I mean, I can understand why, you know, the kids 9, 10, 11 might be delighted with this. What about the moody teenager and trying to entice them into, into a family day out like this or, or, or a breakaway or whatever? Yes, now, with the, the moody teenagers, I mean, we brain development like they can't stop the movie they're not doing some purpose it's where they are yes. but but that book yes now I, the one good thing about what we can do with teens is teens love adventure they love pushing boundaries mm. very often in the teenage years i know parents will say to me but teens do not want to spend time with me that they love me but get them to pick something that really pushes their boundaries, something really adventurous. And then they'll go along and do it with you because they love the idea of doing the activity. And when you're doing the activity together then, it's easier. So you kind of feel like um, maybe luring them a little bit with the activity. I would encourage you with teams not to try to force stuff on them. You give them, say to them, okay, like, here's a website. You can go look at this website. You pick something fun. And I mean, it might be crossing a rope bridge or it might be doing like a bit of wall climbing or rock climbing or something. Something challenging at the end and say, come on, we, we put down the bones and as a family, we're going to go do this and have a bit of fun together. So you're kind of using the activity to help you bond with them. That can work well with the older ones. Very good indeed. So once you involve them in the planning and in the yeah. decision making, it it will help greatly. You mentioned uh, tourism Northern Ireland. There, a lot of people from down this way. I'm sure they'd love to visit Northern Ireland, but they don't for some reason. What would you recommend, Mary? I mean, well, you know what? I might the website is discovernorthernireland.com forward slash family fun. There is so much on there. I think just my husband is from Mary. Before I met him, actually, I don't think I've ever been up the north. I had no idea what was up there. But you think now with things like Game of Thrones, there's mm-hmm. films up yeah. there. You can go and see the dark hedges. You can go and see the studio, the Titanic quarter, and um, things like the Kirkwood Bridge and Colossal. Even did you know if you have younger kids, um, the More Mountains were actually inspiration for C.S. Lewis for Narnia for the Narnia books. Yes, that, I didn't know. So that. Very interesting. I didn't yeah. There. Yeah. There's so much up there. The longest zip line in Ireland, and. Um, because on the website, and in fact, I get your kids on the website. Yeah. Because yeah. you're involving them in the decision-making. I just plan. It doesn't have to be expensive. A day trip. It's only up the road. You can pop them in the car or go on the train. Or even maybe a long weekend or a short break. There's so much adventurous stuff to do up there. It's lovely. Very good indeed. Mary, it was a delight to talk to you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Good morning to you, Mary. Bye-bye now. That's uh, Dr. Mary O'Kane there. And Mary is a psychology lecturer and an early childhood education specialist and giving you some ideas there on uh, what can be done by way of some family time, I suppose. And why not get them away from the screens? and all of that for just a little while. Uh, 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp is 83 311 One of our listeners says, I'll never forget a random trip I took the kids to Dunmore East 
a few years ago and we still laugh about it. Um, okay, it goes on to describe the hotel um, uh, being a bit of a faulty terrorist situation. It was many years ago, but it was the best weekend away. Isn't that very interesting that, you know, things can go wrong um, on, on a breakaway and still it can be, be uh, the most memorable and the most fun time. Anyway, if you want to share your memories of your your um, family adventures, you might like to do so on 083 You can always email us as well, by the way. That's uh, tiptoday at tipfm.com. Or why not speak to Emma on 1800 938 007. Yes, I will mention that gig again. It's happening tonight at Ryan's Bar in Newport. It's the one for the road band. I believe they're fantastic. And it's kicking off there at uh, 9 o'clock, running until half past 11. And then uh, DJ Andy will take you into the early hours hours of the morning. And all of that for the very, very modest sum. Indeed, a five euro. And there's a, um, all sorts of giveaways on the night and hampers and stuff as well. So it sounds like a great night at uh, Ryan's Bar in Newport. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. It's time for a Friday panel, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Mary Alice O'Connor, local historian and a member of the Tipperary Town Revitalisation Task Force. Peter Ryan is with us. Peter is a community activist, has been part of the panel before. And, of course, Joe Leahy is with us, security consultant and founder of the wonderful organisation that is Seesaw in Clonmel. You're all welcome, and thank you for coming in to thank us you, uh, Thanks. today. Morning. Morning. I keep forgetting to say, Joe, of course, Seesaw is in Tipperary town now. It uh, is, yeah. As well is, in, the, yeah. in the last one. And doing very well there. By it the is, yeah. We're very busy. Thank God we're busy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's busy in both places. Yeah. And it's great to see. It's great to see people coming in. You know, that's what we're there for. Isn't it indeed? All right. Let's start off with uh, the resignation of Minister of State uh, Damien English resigning from his post as uh, Minister for State for Enterprise and um, the whole business, of course, of uh, his um, incorrect information on his uh, application to uh, the local authority. Uh, Joe, can I start with you on on, on this? Um, resigning as Minister but keeping his place as a TD, um, is that OK as far as you're concerned? I suppose, yeah, it is a, you, you, you have a way with words, Fran. Is it okay? <laughs> is it okay? I suppose, is there anything can be done about it? You know, I suppose in the democracy that we're living in, the people are the people that elect you in that in that format. I don't know, can a TD actually be sacked for something like that? Mm. I'm not too sure of the... Oh, I think Leo's checking mm-hmm. into the, in, the legalese of the it. The legalese so, yeah, of it, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not too sure. I don't know whether they can yeah. or they can't. And as somebody said, like, you know, the people of his constituency, they'll certainly decide the next time. Is it good enough? Certainly not good enough. You know, and it's not no, not good enough for Damien English on this occasion. It's also been good for a whole plethora of others as well. Mm. You know, when you if you get on board the ship, then you have to play the rules of the ship. And it's, it's scandalous that somebody like that should do something like that. All right. Now, this was 14 years ago. Does that dilute? 
rooted no. in any way as no, far no, as you're No, 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 no. Listen to me. In the name of God Almighty, sure to good God, if you have a house, you remember having a house. Sure, if you apply for planning, you remember having apply for planning. Sure to God, you know, wouldn't you remember every kind of a car you ever had? Never mind no, houses, never mind anything else. <laughs> and when you get the forum there in front of you, you know, you have to declare what your interests are in this, your interests are in that. You have to sign the form. You can't get the secretary to sign the form for you. You can't get anyone else. You have to sign the form yourself. Mm. So if you're signing the form, surely to God you'd have a glance through the form to see if someone else filled it in. You'd have a look and you would say, well, hold on, what about that, what about that? This is really something that's going back to bite the nose off you. Happened years ago, whether it be 10, 12, 14 years ago. If you're going into, if you're going into that game, these are the questions you're asked. You fill up the form, you put down the truth and you drive on. That's the right. way it is. He didn't do that. Okay. No sympathy. But as far as you're concerned, he's rolled as a TD. That's up to the democratic process. Well, I think, you see, I, don't, I honestly don't know enough, Fran, about um, whether you can be sacked or not mm. because the people at the constituency elect you. I don't know what kind but of... I, I suppose I'm looking at it from the point of view of uh, morality of it. Like, I mean, if, if it was bad enough for him to have to resign as a Minister of State, is it bad enough for him to, to sort of, you know, well, I fall on his see, sword? Where we're, we're going technically into the technicalities of the difference. Should he resign? You know, will Turkey's vote for Christmas? Of course mm. they won't. Mm. Uh, should he lose the party whip? Well, then that's up to the upper echelons mm. of the party. To but of course things are so tight for the government now. Well, then that's, that's another reason yes. so whether he will or he won't should he he should will he who knows whether he will or not and as well as that then I don't know is there is the power there within the 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 democratic process or the criminal process if that's the word there's mm. no there'll be people jumping on the phone he's committed no this that and the other and some will say he has and he hasn't yes. but I think it needs to be checked out whether you can be sacked or whether you can't be sacked I don't know whether you can or you can't I honestly don't know Alright I know a complaint has been made to SIPO about it so we'll, we'll see what happens where that is concerned Peter what about your take uh, on this for starts his resignation and then I mean should it should it go further Of course it should go further friend Um his resignation it should have been full at the time mm. because he told a lie and you can't do that according to their rules. These are not my rules. Uh, like, my son has to prove that he went to school in my local school. He has to prove he's um, a member of a football team or he's playing music or he's involved in the community. To build a house, to, to apply for outline planning mm. permission, for on his own land. Yes, it's very strict. On his it? own land. Yes. And he has to prove this. And while he has to prove this, this minister was the man in government that put this law into, into place. Mm. So, of course, it's a no-brainer. He should resign, call um, by election and go forward again. And if the people then... And what do you mean by that? He, he was involved in the housing department as well, wasn't he? Well, he, he was involved in government. Yeah, he's a junior yeah, minister. Yeah, but I think he was, yeah. yeah like, they're like all in it together. Like, they're, they're, it's a collective thing, they'll tell you. Mm. So, of course, he was involved in, in, in the rules that have been made over the last 12 or 13 years. Mm. Do you think other people are kind of nervous at the moment? Do you think oh, there might be more I'd from this? Oh, I'd say every one of them, because it's gone back to 14, 15 years... So one is caught now, so the others now will poke out somebody from the other parties or mm. the independents or whatever. So every one of them, I'd say, would have wished this never came up. And know? that brings me to the other point, which is the rejection by the government that fresh assurances should be sought from ministers that all of their property interests and de declarations are in order. Now, that's been rejected, but do you think that should be the case? Do you think a microscope needs to go well, on all of if this? if we have people running our country that actually are not truthful when they're asked to 
fill-out forms and that. We're in trouble anyway. Mm. They're talking about our great democracy. What great democracy? Mm. Like, if they call a by-election, they mean he'll probably top the poll. Do you know, it's like, it's our politics. It's a funny thing, like, do you know? You, you're saying to me that uh, Joe is saying leave it to the democratic exactly. process, but you're saying they'd vote for him anyway. I reckon he'd probably top the poll now because the, you'd get the sympathy vote as well as yeah. his I, I, I was vote. looking at a box pop from his uh, constituency mm. last night and they <laughs> say he's a great man, he did yes, great things. And yes, so, but... When you resign from one job, you go from all of them. Because right. if any of us uh, lied on a planned permission uh, forum, we pay the price. Right. So if the standards are lacking for to be a, a Minister of State, you're saying it's lacking to be a public representative in general. Well, well I think that's, uh, that's my point of view. <laughs> like, well, that's, right. I couldn't see it being any other way. Yeah. Right. Mary Alice, what do you think about this? I think he did the right thing to resign. He was in a position where he had no choice because this was going to rumble on. I'm glad that he resigned straight away rather than dragging the thing for the first two or three weeks of the Dáil period and all that went on with uh, Robert Troy mm. last year. Mm. So that was the right thing to do. Um, yes, it's hard to know um, in regards to his position as a TD. I think planning permission is very contentious, mm. as both the gentlemen here have said. Yeah. And I know people trying to get planning on their own land or in particular areas, um, which of course is a more recent uh, thing. You know, back in the day, we I was able to buy a site five miles distance from my original home and set up home there. Mm. And that wouldn't happen now. So I think um, I saw Paul Murphy last night saying, you know, that if the left government were to get into uh, power, that of course they would deal with this ethics and that none of this would ever happen again kind of thing. Mm. Well, pardon me for having a jaundiced tie about that, you know, yeah. human nature being what it is. But it, it also behoves one to think seriously, if you were to go into politics, either as a councillor and then progress maybe to being a, a TD or that. It's like something you may have said or done. Mm. And that's not to trivialise trivialize this situation because it is serious. Mm. But something you may have uh, like said social or media and or yeah, yeah we've already seen this happen yeah. other people mm-hmm. and it'll be brought back you know let's put up our hands all of us who are without sin here. Ah, well, absolutely. and that's and that's not making any yeah. excuses for him because there isn't any excuses. but you're saying now with the i mean you know some of us are so foolish in terms of what we put up on social media that could come back to absolutely and to people come, yeah. even young people this is going off the subject slightly young people would be advised that if you want to um, say have a career in a particular area maybe that one would want to be very conscious mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if you're going for an interview maybe maybe the people doing that interview will be looking at your social media posts and yes. seeing what kind of Right, and if you seem to be out on the tiles five nights a week and in, in poor condition and stuff, you, you wonder is that taken into account? Well, yeah, it might indicate yeah. that you weren't a re- of reliable character. And wh- what about that whatever, other you know? notion about the rejection of the suggestion that um, assurances should be sought from ministers um, that all of their property interests are in order and stuff? Do you think that that should, should happen? Um, yes, I suppose it would be good Or to is it a witch hunt, do you well, think? Well, yes, so. there could be shades of a witch hunt, of course, very easily, because then you're inclined to tar everybody with the one brush. And you know the way people make sweeping statements and say, oh, you know, they're all this, yes. and they're all that, and, you know, have... It's just something like it's it's just something you say, and 
Yeah, it, 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 it does. It, maybe it's the cynic in me, but I mean, Sippo let Leo off the hook about the leaks and stuff, and now we have a junior minister paying a price for something he did 14 years ago. Um, Disgust, mm. as they say in the Leaving Cert, <laughs> <Sir> Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at maybe it's a cynic in me, yeah. <laughs> um, Never. Discuss, yeah. yeah. Discuss, I suppose, you know, who makes up the rules? Yeah. You know, who makes up any rules? Like, the people that make up the rules are going to have to live by the same rules themselves. So, like, obviously, you know, if they want flexibility, they're going to make up flexible rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where's mm. the, the old famous grey area? Like, where are we here? What are we at? I think what, what I honestly think needs to be done now, really, and, you know, to discuss, is that, you know, there's a general election in the offing, whatever, it was nearer than last week anyway, right? Yes. So let it be 12 months' time, a year and a half's time, two years' time, whenever it's coming down the track. And there'll be people saying, not quick enough and all that, don't mm. mind that ranting and raving. Let's put in a rule and regulation now that they have to amend this and tighten up on all this in some way. Yes. You know, and make... Why not make a sworn affidavit in relation to the property that you have or that you don't have and suffer the consequences after? Why not do something proper if you're out there representing the people at national and local level why not put it down in black and white if you're outside there and put it now get in in place now for the next set of elections right the next like the next local elections are coming up in what 20 months time or there or thereabouts like right so there's plenty of time for local and national to get their act together tidy up learn from the mistakes of the past three four five fourteen years whatever mm-hmm. it is and say right this time around, this time, in the future, this is what you've got to do from here on in. Right, but does that mean that you could sort of, from here on in, you could discount stuff that happened in the past and sort of, you know... Well, well, the thing is, I, I, now, people will say, oh, yeah, you want to bear this. How do, we, how do we move on, like? Right, okay. Where do we move on? And, and what, what Mary Alice was alluded to is, would it put people off? I mean, you know, as you say, who among us can throw stones? As well? Would it put people off from going forward, Joe? Oh, I think it would, but I think that's happening anyway, Frank. Is it? Yeah. I think that's happening on a, on a, on a variety of fronts. I, um, you know, you, you, you see in any of, the, any of the, the political parties, people won't join, people won't do this, people won't abide by a whip, they won't do this, lose, like losing a whip now is it's more important like to lose your hair than lose a whip. Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at a, a 10,000 different other things. People aren't going to be, like, why is there so many independents in, yeah. in, out there now? Because they don't have to abide by these rules and regulations. Yeah. Because, and people aren't going to go forward. A lot of people, can you blame them? Like, can you blame them? Like, you have a meeting. I can't blame them. You know, no. you're, you're there, the, go back to your old residence association, and you have a meeting there, you go put up a sign, you know, Fran comes down the hill, hits into the sign, and comes back to the person, puts up yeah. the sign. Yeah. Here, there's an awful lot of, people don't want to get involved in any of this anymore, because they got burned along the way. I suppose. Mm. Peter, what about that notion that, I mean, the Sippo, well, left Leo off the hook, I suppose, if we want to put it like that. And here we have a guy paying a fairly yeah, hefty I, price for yeah, something that happened 14 years ago. That, yeah, but two things. The first thing is, like Damien, Muriel, Damien, he was a TD for four or five years at least mm. when he signed this mm. forum. Mm. So it wasn't something he'd done before Beforehand, politics. Yes. That's okay. number one. And number two, Fianna Fáil lost a senior minister or junior minister, whatever, mm-hmm. under... Michal Merton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's balanced up now with Leo taking power and one of their top performers right. uh, getting getting shafted. I'd ask the question, who is, Lee, who is setting all these lads up? How do you mean setting them up now? Obviously, nobody knew about this 
three well, weeks uh, ago. The, it came from The Ditch, which is a sort of an online um, uh, newspaper or newsletter. Yes, but they had to get the information somewhere. Right, so you think... This is, this <laughs> is, this is politics we're dealing with here, lads. What a dirty business it is. What a dirty business. So you can be right sure that they're scrolling through everyone right. and everything to see what, who's next. Right. And that's why there's actually no big hubbub about this in the 166 yeah. of them or whatever. And funnily enough, I, I heard some uh, some discussion this morning. Seemingly to get this information required an enormous amount of work. Yes. Yeah. By all accounts. Really? Yes. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. yes. But, yeah. enormous but, but clearly, like, there's, as you're saying, they're like, you know, there has to be a vested interest. Of yes, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An, agenda. Yeah, yeah. an agenda. And all those terms yes. and all those things. Yes. Yeah. Be. They're balancing right. the books. Yeah. Okay. The um, a lot of people onto us for <laughs> mentioning all sorts of names that we might not go into where this uh, conversation is concerned, but it's kind of interesting. Anyway, and w- uh, collectively, do we think that we should leave it to the electorate uh, in, in the area in terms of next time round with them being a, TG, a TD? On the balance of probabilities? Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I know you mentioned Paul Murphy there, people yeah. before profit, but he has made a complaint to the Standards in Public Office uh, Commission uh, asking them to investigate the matter, but you look, we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens where, where that is concerned. Alright, let us move on because our interview with Anna this week got a tremendous response indeed and our Facebook post uh, received one of the uh, biggest reactions ever to the show. If you didn't hear it, Anna, her husband, her three children, they were camping in a tent outside of council offices in Clonmel because they were unable to secure emergency accommodation this week. Now we got involved in it eventually. They did get some uh, emergency um, accommodation in Cashel that will take them up until today but of course they don't know where they go after (laughs) that. But can I start with you Mary Alice on this and maybe on the bigger picture of it. Um, there should be emergency accommodation available for people. I mean, whatever their background, if if they have to live on the street, they should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the whole situation vis-a-vis um, housing is is mired in absolute chaos. Chaos. Yeah. It yeah. would appear. Yeah. Um, I've made a few inquiries from from you know in regards to how how it works. I suppose because as a layperson you wouldn't know. Yeah, sure. I mean you put your name down. Uh, now they've refined it a little bit in that if you want to live in, as I understand it, in Clonmel or in Newcastle or whatever, you can give a preference to getting. You know, there's no point if you're from uh, Golden and you are offered house in Clonmel and you don't want to live in that area. Okay. That's, yeah. So that that has been improved somewhat. Um, I suppose the the um, fact is that uh, social houses or council houses, as they were known in my time, are not available and not quickly enough brought back in. I made an inquiry, actually, and 119 voids, as they're known as, were restored and brought back into use in the last year. That's very little, isn't it, really, uh-huh. in yeah. by Tipperary County Council. Right. And the way it works, apparently, is the council puts in for money to do the restoration work and make the house, uh, or the void, as it's called, um, available for tenants. Some of that work can be done by um, people working for the local authority. And then, in other cases, you must bring in maybe an electrician or a plumber or whatever. Right, but each the individual pros- house has to be applied for. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not saying that. All right, okay. I'm saying the council will say they're not getting enough money from the government. Yes. They have to apply for a an amount of money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then that money has to be divvied up and yep. spent. The whole process, like our 
whole lives are mired in... in, in red tape. Red tape. Bureaucracy, We've yeah. gone mad from it. There's mm. a protocol about before you get out of bed in the morning now. You know, so it's the same with this. And it's all so slow. Everything takes forever. And so no wonder you have a situation where you're backed up and who's, where somebody... And you're right, of course. You can't have a person... And small children, are, you mm. can't have any individual. Because whatever about full-time housing, yeah. I mean, in an emergency, you need to yes. get a roof over somebody's yeah, head. Yeah, you do, yeah. 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 Uh, Peter, what are, what are your mm. thoughts on this? It uh, is terrible. Mm. Mm. Uh, I don't know the full facts of this particular family. Mm. Uh, none of us want anybody sleeping in a tent, mm. especially this time of the year. It might be okay at electric picnic in September, but yes. not, mm. not now. Um there's obviously a lot of reasons, there's a lot of questions to be asked, um, a lot of things to be discussed in the sense that when did this family know they were going to be uh, homeless? Uh, if they gave somebody else's address, then they're not homeless any longer. And that, that's one of the points. That uh, this yeah. is a big point. Now, you have so, to have an address, Yes, seemingly. this is a big point, and this yeah. is where most of the trouble is coming from. I think if you're losing your home, you should probably have an address of maybe the council office mm. or the health board, someone of some place like that. Because if you give somebody else's address, yeah. then you're not homeless. Yeah. So um, it's too bad that somebody has to come to a radio program mm. to get all of this this sorted. But there's a way bigger picture. There's plenty of houses there. Mm. And I have brought this point up several, several times over the last 10 years, I'd say. These are the houses that are lying There's idle, Peter. There's so many houses lying idle. Yeah. And also, the council, when they come and take over a house, they gut it, mm. they rip it, mm. they get a skip. The finest of furniture, the finest of stuff is dumped into this skip. The houses are costing an absolute fortune to get them up and running again. All of this needs to be taken on hand, put people that know a little bit about building and bring the standards down. Mm. The furniture in a house, maybe bare a mattress or something, can be cleaned, washed and made use for the next family instead of having to throw everything into a skip. Mm. Give three months or six months putting this house together and people sleep in tents in the meantime. It's it's a way, way bigger picture and it's not being looked at. Joe, can you give me some information? I, I remember Joe McGrath came in to me one time and he, in fairness to him, he took questions about this and he was talking about, you know, that there is a certain, legally and from an insurance point of view and all of that, there is a certain standard that these houses have to be brought up to. Is, it, is that the way it is, Joe? Well, uh, again, let's be technically correct or let me, te- let me be technical as far as I know, Fran. Yeah. That yeah. is, but I couldn't agree more with Peter. Like I've yeah. seen, I know people that have went away and got houses and, you know, I know people that have there's a fridge inside and house there's electric no let's go away from said the, the, the furniture let's go back to the bit of electrics and that there may be a two-year-old cooker a two-year-old yeah. fridge into the skip yeah and yeah. then you get a grant then from some other organization then to refurbish all these things this takes an arm and a leg yes. in length of time and in length of money mm. yeah. all that has to be addressed and and that should be addressed but big bodies move slow 
and it takes forever and a day. And Mary Alice is right in relation to the red tape and all this. This is all crazy stuff that's going on. It mm. takes forever and a day to get a house. Mm. And there should be no need for half of that. Now you look at the other side of the coin is in this particular case. What I was alarmed about this particular case that there was no mention at all of Tusla. I never heard the Tusla be mentioned during in the In terms week. of the children, you mean? In relation right? to the children, yeah. in this case. Yeah. I also don't know in the name of God, like, why is there, like, th- there's more to this case than meets the eye. Mm. These people just don't arrive out of nowhere and the next thing, all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah. Because it's another well, Anna was quite quite upfront with us on that. Yes. They had come from, from Wales. There's yes. mental health illnesses uh, with herself and her, her partner, her husband. And, you know, there's a lot of issues going on there. She was quite open about it. Yeah, yeah. but there's a dangerous precedent that's been set here now as well for the council. Because what's happened here now is when you go in, you see, you, you must, you're look, we're talking about... You have the keyboard warriors and the all oh, this is the blend the government, the blend the council. Mm, mm. That's very easy done, stick and copy and paste and same mm. blah blah. You look at the bigger picture. These people are now in an emergency accommodation. Now what happens? This is costing an absolute arm and a leg, mm. right? To house people. And mm. now you'll say, I'm not against no no nobody should be under the stairs. Like that's not it shouldn't be like that at all. But it, we are where we are. They are there now in, in accommodation. The council cannot put them out of this temporary accommodation now that they're in. Well, they're only there until today. That's what. But the, can, the council are not going to put them out in a victim. That mm. ain't going to happen. So they're going to be. They're going to get a house or get accommodation somewhere else. Mm. So now, what happens then, Joe? When Joe wants a house, mm-hmm. Joe will do the very same thing. Yeah. Tent, uh, kids mm. outside the county, the county hall. Should the house Peter? Should the house Joe now as well? Yeah. Should I want it? The precedent is now set. This is a problem, and it is a real problem, mm. because people can jump the queue. Because you're nice and quiet, fellas, as we all know you are, Fran. So you'll wait and you'll abide by the rules and regulations and you'll be left waiting. Joe's brazen, Joe goes down, sets up shop and the next day all of a sudden, Joe's away in a hack. And all these things have to come into play. This is called, I think, called reality. Mm. And now we look at where is Tusla to play in all these things? What I didn't hear mention of Tusla all week from nobody anywhere. Mm. Right, um, and let's look at the finer pints. Well, what, sorry, where do you see two, two so because the, the child children, agency? Obviously, well, where do you see them coming into this? Because there's children in a in tent Bob. on the side of the street. Yeah, yeah. End of. Yeah. yeah. I've seen two. And they're cold. And, and they're, they're cold. I've seen yeah. two still getting involved in other things and can't get their nose out of some things that they should have their no, not not have their mm. nose in at all in the first mm. place. Like call a spade a spade here. If we're talking about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. And and I can see as well these people like when they're allocated a house or whatever else. You're on a waiting list. Blah blah blah. These people decided they're not going to wait any longer. They're going to take the law into their own hands, and that's what they did. They went away and they did it, right? And if you're looking at this in the cold, hard facts of life, this is what they did. And now they're after getting a reaction to that. Mm. It all comes back down to what you said at the very start, is no emergency accommodation Mm. for a family. Mm. Because Mm. there's also a problem as well, Fran, with no emergency accommodation for individuals. Because the only indiv- the, the emergency accommodation that we have for individuals, you know, there's a hostel. The hostel is down in Waterford, right? I can't go down there because I owe so-and-so money for drugs or whatever the story is down there and all that sort of. Mm. Then I'm put up here like in, that's in a B&B or something like that. That's costing an absolute arm and a leg. Yeah, well, one of the sadder points was then it ignites a whole other controversy where people are saying, I mean, some of the advice being given to them was go up to Dublin and say that you've come in from some other country and mm. you will get you will get a roof over your head. And and that brings out the worst in us then, does it yeah. not, Mary Alice? That, that seems to be um, heating up now. You yeah. can see with the protests and all of the rest of it, um, um, obviously that is causing a controversy because we have so many refugees and particularly uh, 
Ukrainian families coming in. So there is a sense of pitting one segment of society against another. And that came up all of the time during these discussions during that week. Oh, we can do this for other people. There's there's no doubt now, sorry, Mary, there's no doubt like you would feel extremely frustrated Mm. if you're on a housing waiting list for five years Mm. and you're there waiting with yourself and your wife and next thing Joe arrives in from some other farm yeah. land yeah. and Joe's put into this place, mm. into a hotel. He's there for six weeks. Then he's shipped off out to some other place, roof mm. over his head. Mm. And you're there on this waiting list right. in cramped yeah. conditions, in bad conditions for years and years. My God, it, there was something wrong if it didn't madden you. Yeah. Yes. You'll have to madden yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Yes, Peter, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is Joe's point. It's, it's, very, it's a very uh, good point because like we're after housing, I think, 66,000 in the last since last uh, February, are we? Um, I, I think sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah, sixty thousand. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, now they're not in. They're not in. No, social we're housing. They're, they're not in social like, housing. No, no, no. Just in terms of sheltering. Yeah, yeah. sheltering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see, then as well as that, say for example, just to give some context to it. Mm. People are all screaming about Killarney now and mm. Kerry mm. in general. I I heard it the other night on on television. They have seven thousand. In the seven thousand refugees mm. in Kerry, and um, the head of the Tourism Hotels mm. Federation in the town came out, and she said, "There's seven hotels involved out of thirty-nine. So you see, it's not like every hotel in Killarney will never get a night's bed and breakfast yes. there again. So you have to be careful. People get carried away with the whole, the whole." Um, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, and also I would say that a lot of councillors in the Tipperary County Council are spending their time and they are completely frustrated trying to make representation on behalf of people. Mm. I know Councillor Mary Hannah Harrigan, for example, uh, she's spoken herself mm. about it, so I'm not quoting her out of context. Mm. And Councillor Anne-Marie Ryan, for two women that I know pretty well, yeah. are spending countless hours trying to sort something for people. Something that that, that both Joe and Peter were saying, though, and I wonder about it a little bit. You're saying that, you know, well, we need to cut the red tape and, you know, if the furniture is good enough and how's that the main... But could I be devil's advocate here and say possibly people would sit, look at that and say, no, I want much better yeah. than that uh, as my council house, well, as my social house. Beggars can't be choosers. It's what I was always told when, when I growing up anyway. And... Um, Right, but I mean, I, I heard of situations on Fran, this programme where people Fran, turned down houses yeah, a couple Fran, of times round. When yeah. I got my first little house, it was when I lit the fire and for the first few weeks, the cracking of the ceiling boards drying out. Like. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but expectations are different like, now. Yeah, yes, yeah. but the expectations have to go back to what we can afford, Fran. And well. while we keep paying 500 euros for a skip and throwing 5,000 pounds worth of stuff into it, in the name of the council, right. that is my money mm-hmm. and, and your and money. I'm sure and a, lot of, and and a lot of people w- would agree with you on that. But, mm. Joe, do you take my point that people might refuse it and say, no, this isn't good enough for me, this isn't up to standard, and you know this has happened? Absolutely, and I, and I do, but there are people's expectations. But then again, let me let me put it another way. If you're playing tonight in Liston and Werner, Fran, and you want to lift up and your car breaks down, do you care really whether you get a lift up in a van, a lorry or a car? 
I as don't. Long as you yeah. get you don't, don't because you want to get. And it's the same thing. If you need a roof over your head, like everybody, you see every couple. Most couples are individuals that start, even individuals that start out. What do you do? You start out in a house. Mm. You beg, borrow, and steal. You get a hand-me-down table and chair from someone mm. else. And Auntie Mary is firing out this. You get this thing. That's precisely what you do. Mm. And you get up and you get on with it. It's only the very uh, well-heeled people that can go into the brand new house with the brand new this and the brand new that mm. and the helicopter pad. Really and truly. But do you genuinely think that that people would accept a a fixer-upper, as they call it now? Well, you you see, let me be very sarcastic with you. (laughs) Never, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) That's up to themselves. They have a choice. Either accept it or don't. But do they not get three choices? I think there's two choices they get. Two choices now, isn't it? But if they get two choices, Fran, and refuse them, then they have their own choice to stay where they are. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to be, you have to be a bit cruel to be kind to your friend. Mm. We can't go uh, pampering absolutely everybody. If you get a house, roof over your head, you can afford it. Right. You can do it up along in your own time. And if you don't yeah. accept it, and if you don't accept it, right. then okay. tough and luck. Perhaps because we're well, speak for myself, we're the age we we are. Yes. I mean, I remember moving into my first house as a young married woman, and. Uh, We'd no, f- we 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 sat on aisle drums yeah. for the yeah. first. We'd no floor covering. Yeah. Yes. We did. We we uh, you know, we paid as we went. There's no pictures uh, of you sitting on the oil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a root for them, friend. I'll have a root for. All right, we'll take a know? break. We'll be back with our panel in just a moment. Yeah. Tip FM's tip today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today and to our Friday panel. And our panel today, Mary Alice O'Connor is with us, Peter Ryan and Joe Leahy. We move on to an extremely important topic altogether, the price of drink. The announcement of Diageo of an increase in the price of its beers, including Guinness. Uh, More bad news, I suppose, for the pub trade already grappling with uh, uh, big energy costs and inflation and uh, a general increase in the cost of doing business, I suppose. Peter, can I start with you first of all? Um... Would it stop people from drinking? No. No? In the story, no. Um, of course, the AGO were going to increase their prices after the Heineken group Heineken down at uh, Carlsberg and, yeah. that, that, a couple of weeks ago. So, no, it won't stop people from drinking. And what it'll probably do is let's leave less money at home for the people at home that are supplying the, the groceries and the food. Because and, uh, people will drink anyway. Because people will drink anyway. To like the cigarettes... Um, I think when I stopped smoking, they were about two euro a pack. I think they're now nearly 17. Mm. So there's still as many people smoking. There's still as many cigarettes being bought. And uh, it'll be the same with drink. Yeah, well, they're saying drink, the numbers of people smoking has gone down considerably. But uh, you're saying that those who smoke will keep smoking. Of course, that? of course. And uh, those who drink will take a drink. They'll, they'll pay the extra 20 cents for it and yeah. carry on. But what it will do, Fran, is it will close probably nearly what's left of our public houses. Do you think so? Yes, yes, because uh, you can go to a supermarket probably get eight beers for 16 euro. Eight by 5.50 is a different figure, so, you know, it'll... I feel sorry for the publicans that are putting, trying to keep the community alive, like, you know, we... Mm. Like, Mm. uh, back home in the... We have a smashing pub. We had um, a family 
funeral, there was a funeral in the village, a lovely man during the week, and it was beautiful to see the turnout he got in our local afterwards. Yes. And he deserved it, the family deserved it, and the people were so happy to have that facility. But I can see that facility disappearing if they keep just pushing and pushing and pushing. Right, because at best there's a couple of nights a week now yeah. that, that a pub will do any kind yes, of Yes, yes, yes. Joe, what do, what do you think about this? I mean, is it is it as, as bad as Peter was saying? I did, it is, Ryan. And yeah. I can honestly say with a, a real clear conscience, I don't drink anymore. So There's yeah. people laughing on the, uh, listen to me now saying that, but I don't drink anymore. Well, so. you had your day, Joe. I had my day, yeah. <laughs> and, and we didn't lose it, I'll tell you. We didn't waste it, I'll tell you. But the reality of it is, is that... Um, yeah, it will. It really is the death knell for an awful lot of places. It's, you know, you see there, like, coming up to Christmas, so many people, like, in businesses, some closed before, in all businesses, mm-hmm. some closed after Christmas, some said they'd see Christmas into the new year, they're closing. You know, it's uh, the value of the old licence now is gone as well. Mm-hmm. If years ago, it was such a valuable thing. Now it isn't mm-hmm. that anymore. A lot of people are keeping it open for the community. And... As was, Lord of mercy on my good brother, as was his probably 40 years ago, I went to see him over in England in a little place near Grantham called Welby and a little pub, a little village, a little dot on the map you now, like an over and out and extended pub next door. And I said to him, should we go next door for one? Mm. <laughs> I said, you'll have to wait till Friday. So, it wasn't it open. It wasn't open. Didn't open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and we're getting to that. Is that and we're you? getting to that. Yeah. And every pub there, they're served a thing called food. Yeah, yeah. And where are we now? We're the very same way here. So that's, and we're gone identical here now. And over there, like, you know, if you were seen drinking four pints, oh, my God, you had a serious problem, you yeah. know. Whereas, you know, where have we gone now? Now, how many people do you see drunk fun around the place here now? Very, very few. In the old-fashioned way now. Like, the old fashioned about way. No, the old-fashioned way I, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? That, 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 the optics of not being able to get the two pints for the tenor as well seems to be as our... It's gone over the fibre. So you have to add to the tenor now for two pints, Mary Alice. Absolutely. Is, is that, it's, it's like, gosh, yeah. the, the, you buy a stamp, it's one thirty-five. it's gone up yeah, 10, ten cents. Another yeah. jump, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's a pity. I agree with the two, my two fellow panellists here. I think it's a pity. It's a whole way of life. It's a, it, there's a social element. Yes, I accept there can be people who will spend the money that should go to the family or the messages. Mm. They're going to do it anyway. They'll either bring it home and drink it or they'll still go out and drink it, I suppose. But I think that whole social life is gone. It's just gone. It's it's mm. a pity. Um I live near near um, Thomastown Village. Mm. Uh, mm. Lovely pub Great there. Great pub there. Beautiful, Fantastic fabulous pub, yeah. pub. God knows I'm not... Sir Rollins, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm mm. not in it very often, I must confess. Um, I used to love the fact that when we would go to something, maybe in the theatre in the XL or to the cinema or have a meeting, um, historical society, whatever it was, we'd, we'd all go to the pub afterwards. Mm. Now, we might have one drink each you know, mm. and two if you weren't driving, obviously. And you'd have that social, mm. that thing. That's what you miss. Mm. Now we're all sitting at home in our own mm. little pod. Are, it's, uh, it's lonely. You miss it. It's social isolation. Yeah. Are we in danger of romanticising all of this, Peter, no. when, when we think that the no. amount of misery that the pub brought to families as well over the years? Uh, and, you know? Fine, we spoke about this in dry January a couple of weeks yeah. ago, whatever, mm. and... Uh, there's nobody forcing anybody to drink. Mm. Yeah. This is not what Mary, Mary Claire said. He's 100% right. It's social. Mm. Yeah. It's meeting people. Like, 
people are sitting at home. They, yeah. They've lost how to talk to one another. Yeah. They've lost mm. how to, to communicate. And certainly with the price of drink, if you happen to go into your pub, there's nobody going to be forcing drink down your throat. So mm. <laughs> you mm. don't have to worry there. So I would say to people, we have one last chance to keep our local, our local pubs open. Mm. And if we lose that, it'll be a sad day because yes. we're losing a lot of our heritage and our culture in, in this country. You know? but, but you'll also see too, though, see, like in areas we'll say like, you know, where a local pub comes up for sale and, you know, a group of people get together, a group of locals get together yes. and they buy it mm. for the sake of the village, the sake yes. of the, as Peter the just said, for the sake yeah. of the area and the community. Yeah, and all like that. Garment, that's, yeah, like Rack Yeah, like Rack That's greatly admired mm. because it keeps the community together. But I think when you look at the Diageos of this world and all these, the Heinekens of this world, they're still going to have their market share because there's people buying in the off-licenses and everything else. Mm. Yes. So their sales pitch, their profit right. isn't going to move anything. They don't care about folks in But our, in the our whole way of life has changed. Oh, dramatically, yeah. Post, post the pandemic. That was the mm. death knell because that meant you were living in isolation. Yeah. I mean, we, we lived in uh, at home, myself and my husband, for five months without practically seeing anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mm. we, we didn't, you know, I'm not looking for sympathy because we were fine. Of course. We yeah. walked, we gardened, we yeah. did all the mm. things. But... You miss that thing of meeting other people. And, you know, I, I've been, we've been up and down to Cork in, um, to a, a clinic because my husband had an accident before Christmas. And do you know what I loved? You get off the train and we got a taxi. I love talking to taxi drivers. <laughs> you get the best crack, you know, yeah, you yeah. do. And it's like a snapshot, you know, and they're, they're talking about the government or they're yeah. talking yeah. about whatever is going on in the world. And it's wonderful. And, and, you get, and that's the kind of thing you get yeah, in the pub. You do. Yes. And yeah, like yeah, we used course, to, yeah. we'd meet and we'd be discussing, say, after, after being at something, you'd be discussing politics and maybe have different points of view like we have here and yeah. fighting over it. And it was great. Was it was great, stimulating yeah. and yeah. Exciting. Well, you get an awful lot of you know what talk in the pub. Hey, you do, but Let me just take our final break. I'll be back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to our Friday panel who are still in full flight even though the ad break is on. <laughs> Mary Alice is with us, Peter and uh, Joe as well. Can we just quickly deal with the Labour Party one because I want to, I want to get on to, to the ghosts and the paranormal as well. Um, Labour Party calling for mandatory mask wearing and uh, this was Duncan Smith who came out. Um, Mary Alice, can I deal with you on uh, on that? Um, mask wearing, some some of the doctors we had on during the week say, yeah, it's a good idea if we would do so. But what about the notion of it being mandatory again? Yeah, it's very hard. It's it's a hard call because mm. I think the government will be slated. They're wrong if they do and they're wrong if they don't. Mm. But if they make it mandatory, I think probably there will be a kickback at this point against it. And yet, I think personally, for my own safety, um, I like I said, I've been on public transport. Mm. I've been in a hospital situ- situation where we were requested to yes. wear it. Yeah. And a young man came in beside us at a clinic recently, refused point blank to put it on. 
So who's he was right? asked to. He was, yes. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the nurse asked him, she said, look, there's COVID in the hospital. She said, I'm respectfully asking you to put it on. And he refused. Right. And he was belligerent. He didn't want to wait his turn, all that kind of thing. Right. So in public transport situations, situations like you described, do yeah. you think it should be mandatory in those? Um, I think it probably should be. Mm. Now, you know, on a train or on a bus where you're maybe with a lot of other people, um, I personally would wear it. Um, right. I've met people, friends and, and that who have had COVID who say to me, gosh, I've no idea where I picked it up over Christmas mm. and, yes. you know, before and after Christmas. And not alone do they get flu followed by COVID or COVID followed by flu and are, you know, yeah, I mean, how many people are so many at the moment um, clogging, clogging up the system you know, with with all of yeah, all the, of these. the the Labour Party yeah. actually, Peter, got a feral lash uh, yeah, about this about about talking about it mm. being mandatory yeah. again. I think it shouldn't be mandatory. I think people should wear a mask if they want to protect themselves. Um, I when I go to my dentist, the rule on the door is you wear a mask. Mm. I have no problem with that. And any other place, if the rule is wear it, I'll wear it. But I don't think our government needs to be telling us any of this. We need to know right. if we want to protect ourselves wear a mask. Well, in fairness, now, the government came out, uh, Leo Radcar came out and said it probably won't be mandatory yeah. at any point, but it's the Labour Party calling for this. Well, the Labour Party, I suppose, they've gone so irrelevant now <laughs> that they need to find something. Even and, and 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 that's not a really good one, like, you know, they should probably maybe to listen to you here, Fran, and pick up a few tips on how to get a bit of publicity for their party. But overall, yeah, but look, Labour Party, come on. Yeah, it doesn't matter to you. No, Joe, ma- Joe, uh, mandatory call. Yeah, for I think it. mandatory is the word, Fran. I think mandatory yeah. is the problem. I, but I honestly think people should be encouraged. To wear masks, like uh, especially, especially like call a spade a spade, and you know if you have some kind of an ailment, and the ailment can be anything, like the ailment can be COVID. It don't have to be just, you know, your total immune system wrecked. Like I was in the doctor surgery this day week, and I went in and the sign at the door wear a mask. There's a box of masks inside. There was about six or seven people there. Every whole person had a mask. Yes. And nobody cribbed. Nobody there was complained. No there yeah. was no problem. There was no issue. Yeah. And I honestly think, but I think mandatory is the problem. Yes. You know, we're an old nation of people. We don't like to be we told what like to do. Yeah. We yeah. don't like. We don't like that uh, for sure. All right. Before we go, we have only four minutes uh, left. But can I start with you, being our uh, resident historian, uh, Mary Alice, where this is concerned? Absolute fascination during the week about paranormal activity, and we heard from the Cork Supernatural Society, and then Joe Noble was on with us yesterday with the most incredible stories and photographs and stuff. Do you believe in the idea of paranormal and mm, ghosts? And I do. Um, Maybe not in a kind of an exaggerated way, but I do think that there are things that we can't easily explain. Mm. And have you come across anything? Or um, well, wh- not necessarily. But where where we live in in Thomastown, we live on the main lands of the castle, mm. old ruined castle of Thomastown, and apparently that. Um, a child of the Matthews drowned in a lake which was in front of the house and um, the nurse was blamed for it. This is going back to the 1850s, mm. whatever, and that she put a curse on the family and said that it would never, there would never be a male heir and there wasn't. Mm. And that's just one kind of example. Um, I think I would have an awareness of um, maybe uh, sort of what one might think of as ghosts or activity or spirits that aren't at peace or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I'd be very 
in tune with it. Yes. I'd be aware of it. There's kind of some places that you wouldn't maybe feel comfortable, comfortable in, or yeah. you'd you'd have that kind of a feeling. So I, I think yeah. I think there is something in it. Peter, yeah. what what about you? You come from a very historical part of, yeah, of the I county. I come from Pettycoast Loose country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great Pishogri up there. Very right Pishogri, yeah, yeah, but I'd be certainly more afraid of the living ones than the dead ones <laughs> out that side, <laughs> to be honest with you. I love it, but, yeah. Uh, any, any interest in this, though, Peter? I have great interest have in you? this, yeah, yeah because um, I heard the Panchi myself, I believe. But Did you? It's a pretty long story, but when I came, when I lived at home, there was a man by the name of Danny Connolly. A lot of people around will know who I'm talking about. He's a postman. And we were only kids, and we got in from school. We'd call up. It's about 120, 30 yards up the road, and we'd call up to Danny and Mary, and they'd have the biscuits and the tarts and all that. And Danny then, he'd, he'd tell you stories, but he'd hold you until it was dusk and nearly there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he... <laughs> filled our heads with so many ghost stories that yeah. we all became very good to run because we ran so fast from <laughs> his home. house to our house afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have a I'd have a big interest in it. Um, a friend of ours uh, that used to always call to the house years ago, people would call, mm. and he died during the day, and my parents went down to his house uh, in Ballymacabre, and um, we were in bed that night, and this wailing and this screaming and this thing was going on. So I opened the door, like, and I shouted up, like, why are you at my little sister? Like, mm. leave her alone. And they said, your little sister's sleep with three hours. Like, what's wrong with you? And I heard it, but nobody else seemed, seemed to have heard it. So if it was a cat screech, we don't know, but there was something going on. And like you say, out outside, and I don't want to take up too much of your time now, yeah, yeah, yeah. out outside there are so many stories that it's there for is, another day. Yeah. There is say. indeed. Joe, yeah. Joe, what about this? Um, do, you, do, you, do you have any feelings about paranormal yeah. stuff or ghosts? Or? Well, today's Friday the 13th. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, we'll kick off with that. Um, not really, I don't, I don't really hear this, Peter. As you know, I said, and Mary has said there, you know, you hear all these stories of the past and were they stories of a time, were the things of a time, you know what I mean? You know, Because lighting was bad and yeah. all that That's kind right. of yeah, we were yeah. walking the road. The, electri- the, the electricity, yeah. the electricity. <laughs> yeah. My Peter, father used to be yeah, great yeah. for telling stories yeah. like and that mm. when we were young. Yes. And and I think then as, as you grow mm. up um, yeah. and... Yeah. You know, but every, people, people jumped out over the ditch like with the sheet. Yeah. That's right. Why did it? Yeah. So but mass <laughs> pads, but mass pads and lists and all of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have seen lists fail to be taken. Yes. With big machinery. Yeah. If we just wouldn't stay going long enough to get rid of them. Yeah. Mass pets, well, funny things that there is. Yeah, there's yeah. something there. That's but right. but there there's also something. another thing, and I, I will certainly agree with Peter, like, you know what I mean? I would certainly have a lot more fear of a lot of, <laughs> of, a lot of <laughs> than I would have the dead. <laughs> and on that note, we leave it. My thanks to Mary Alice and to Peter and to Joe. Super yeah. panel today, guys. Thanks very much. And a big, big reaction as well, but we didn't get time to get to our text and WhatsApp. That's it for me. Emma produced, Ali looks after our content. Stephen is taking us back down memory lane on the time tunnel. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.